It's time for Mac Break Weekly, our brand new first show of 2023 with Jason Snell, Alex Lindsay, Andy Anatko. Yes, there wasn't a lot of news, but we managed to, we managed to do a full show around the few stories we had, including a screw up in the Apple chip design. Uh, big story there. We also will talk a little bit about why there were no new Macs in Q4 2022. First time that's happened in 22 years. And the end of Dark Sky. What do you do next for weather? It's all coming up next on Mac Break Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This, this is Twit. This is Mac Break Weekly, episode 851. For Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Snarky by default. MacBreak Weekly is brought to you by ACI Learning. Respected companies and government agencies around the globe turn to ACI Learning year after year to help them maintain their competitive edge. Supporting organizations across audit, IT, and cybersecurity readiness, ACI Learning keeps your team at the top of their game. Visit acilearning.com to learn more. And by FastMail. Reclaim your privacy, boost productivity, and make email yours with FastMail. Try it free for 30 days at fastmail.com slash twit. FastMail is also giving twit listeners a 15% discount on the first year when you sign up today. Thanks for listening to this show as an ad-supported network we are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience. Are you ready to grow your business? Reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It's time for Mac Break Weekly, the first show of 2023. I'm going to have to get used to that. And you might notice if you're watching the video that our Twit studios are now sponsored by ACI Learning, which is the home of IT Pro as well as Auto Pro Practice Labs and Hubs. So welcome, ACI Learning, and welcome to our esteemed panel. Jason Snell is on the horn from beautiful Northern California. Uh, SixColors.com is his website. Did you have a good holiday, Jason? I did. It's great to be back. And, uh, yeah, it was nice to take a little time off. After the last show, I, you know, I got in the car and... Uh, Drove uh, to visit my mom in Arizona, and uh, my family flew down a little bit later, and we had a great time, and um, you know, adopt, <laughs> adopted a dog on the way back. <laughs> Surprise! And uh, yeah, we're doing great. So it's good to be back in the swing of things. It's it's you know you know because you just got home too. It's like something about taking a week or two off. Uh, you kind of lose like how does this keyboard work? Uh, <laughs> it's not even that long, but it feels what like are words? everything's new and different. You got paler and I got ta- tanner. I don't. I don't understand quite how that works. I understand that. I haven't seen the sun in, all, in <laughs> it's weeks. It's been raining a lot in it's Northern how. California. Uh, Andy Anako is here from, of course, New England, where it is also raining, and he's in the library this week. Hi, Andy. I I thought it'd be more mysterious if I say I'm in a government location. Yes. Uh, let's not mm. disclose exactly where it is, but it is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's a. It does. It, it's it's a terrible weather outside, so everyone decided, hey. Let's start like bulldozering and jackhammering outside my outside my office window. So that I thought, hey, no sense. What, what better day than to walk in the rain with a backpack full of expensive gear? Well, I'm glad you did that. Thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> it's great to have you. And of course, Alex Lindsay from 
not so far away either, down the peninsula a little ways, 090.media and officehours.global. How's it been for you? How were your holidays? Uh, it, they were great. Uh, drear, they, it was dreary and cold and rainy, just like I like it. <laughs> so it was, I, I've been in heaven. I haven't seen I haven't seen this much clouds and rain for you know years. I, I know at my house. It's so. funny. We uh, it was dry when we left, and we went down to Mexico where it was raining, and we thought, oh no, because we went for to the beach, but uh, the sun came out. It was nice and sunny and warm, and a great way to spend yeah. New Year's Eve because they know how to party. <laughs> uh, anyway, I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. We missed you. Glad to be back on a week where there's literally nothing to talk about. The one thing that happened while we were gone, and I saw a lot of mourning about it, the dark sky went dark. Uh, Apple, as you know, bought dark sky. And uh, yep. I guess January 1st was the last day for the app. Yeah. yeah it, it joins it joins Peanuts, the Peanuts gang in the Apple jail. Saying, <laughs> sorry, we have acquired you. You must not go out and entertain and amuse other people right the now. Uh, api continues they say through march 31st um but I, I saw a lot of people saying you know there's nothing as even apple weather with the new hyper local features and so forth is not as good as dark sky I, and, do you feel that the, way too? i would say yeah <laughs> they did not they you know they appleized it it feels a little bit more i don't know um but it just doesn't it doesn't have the same i mean i use dark sky since it was released and and i just feel like <laughs> The ease of just even adding a city is much harder in weather than it is <laughs> yeah. than it was in Dark Sky. Like it's just like all the little like all the little things that make Dark Sky great. Apple is not. I don't feel like Apple added that back in. Weather is serviceable, um, but it's not it's not great the way Dark Sky was. Yeah, the uh, I we should say that there is so the Dark Sky API became WeatherKit, and it is it has a a REST API, so it can be used by websites or by Android apps or by anybody else. It doesn't just it's not just on iOS. I wrote a Python script, and I use it for like my weather station. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's uh you can you can do people can still write apps that use it. It's just now it's the WeatherKit API instead of the Dark Sky API. I know like Carrot Weather, there are a bunch of other apps that that give you at least the option to use that API. I think Carrot Weather also now has a new uh, because that's a like that app. It's a subscription app. It's a little pricey, but it's so good, and it actually has among its many different layouts that you can choose and build yourself one that it pretty much apes the the look and feel of Dark Sky. So if you are desperate to get something that looks a lot like Dark Sky, Carrot Weather is is worth exploring. Um, the Apple Weather app, you know, it's like all the other Apple apps, right? It's it's the data is the same basically, but. It's a stock app, so its features are all sanded off. And you know, Alex strikes me as somebody who doesn't want the the you know four buttons sanded off version of any app, and uh, quite rightly so. Quite rightly so. It's it's the little things like just adding. I, I still haven't quite figured out how to smoothly. There's just usually a lot of swearing that goes on when I try to add a new city. Oh yeah, me too. You know, like yeah. it's like what the what I yeah, don't understand. I don't get it. Like I used to be able to just tap this and add a, mm -hmm. add a city, and it's like little. So it's not even like shaving off the edges. It's like taking away. A really useful thing and making yeah, it complicated, I, yeah, which is yeah. very unApple. I don't weird. quite understand how that happened, especially especially when it takes you a little while to realize that, like, you just went on vacation or you went on a business went on a business trip, and the app has not yet figured out that you are no longer in New York City or you're no longer in San Francisco, that you're now in New England. And so, if you're thinking, "Wow, fifty eight degrees, wow, wonderful," like, no, 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 I kept getting no, no. Uh, rain starting uh, warnings while I was in L.A. for the rain in Northern California. I was oh, like, yeah, I got I got rain warnings all week. And I was in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Lisa said, Lisa's looking at her watch. She said, the rain's going to come. And I said, no, no. 
It's not here. It's in Petaluma. It's, the sun is still going to shine here. Um, at that, yeah. I, I also wanted to point out there was a, a funny Slate story uh, last week about how apparently meteorologists hated dark sky. Because um, it took and, their job away. Yeah, well, so this is the thing. is like it's not – meteorologists are all about the weather models. And if you read anything about this, Michael Lewis <laughs> wrote about this in, in a couple of his books. The accuracy of the National Weather Service in the last 20 years even, since 2000, has improved dr- dramatically. Like we are so much better at forecasting weather. The computer models for weather forecasts are so good. But there is this moment where there's this sort of chauvinism, which is anything that isn't spat out of the computer model is considered lesser. And what they say about dark sky is you guys don't understand. Understand, it's not a computer model. It's analyzing the precipitation radar and the direction it's moving and just extrapolating from that, which is like it that is absolutely true. It's not running a big computer model of the entire atmosphere. It's looking at where the rain is headed and saying it's headed toward you. But that's valuable in lots of cases, I, and that's why people like dark sky. And, it, it, you know, it can't be both. No, it's not going to be able to tell you based on that that a sudden thunderstorm is going to appear or something like that in Oklahoma or something like that. But, like, the reason people like dark sky is that you could look at where you were on the map, and, and it's what we all do with radar images anyway, right? Which is, oh, it's coming my way. And it just put that into practice, and that's why people loved it. I, I felt I felt very like James Bond. There was one point where I had dark sky and I could just see a cliff of water coming. And my <laughs> wife was in Washington, D.C. and she was with the kids and they're, they're, they're walking around some of the, the things to see there. And I'm working at the office and I literally said, I need you to get in. There's an Uber coming for you. I need you to get, get into, into the car right now, right now. And she literally <laughs> said, she closed, the, she closed the door and suddenly the rain was like, you know, like it just gets in the car right now. <laughs> I looked at it and I was just like, there's a wall. There's a wall headed towards my family. I, don't, I, I will never understand why people are so, and I include myself in this, why we are so fascinated with weather. Uh, especially here in Northern California where the weather isn't, you know, I could see maybe if you were worried about tornadoes or hurricanes. I don't think about it much except for the winter. I mean, during the summer, it's like, it's not going to be anything. It's going to be clear and, yeah. Yeah, it's, but during the winter, I <laughs> well, won't pay attention. Yeah, I mean, go 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 visit someplace that actually has weather and where yeah, the weather exactly. can actually can actually <laughs> cause disasters. Like the, the 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 difference between like last weekend when it was like low teens uh, for the weekend in uh, in in Boston, uh, New England, that was a big deal because again, my place is kind of old. And there's you have to make the choice of do we really want to heat the whole house or do we want to make sure the pipes don't freeze in half the house and just sort of bunker in the one half of the house you're going to keep super super warm, and yeah and like like I said I lost uh, uh, my my December twenty third plans were totally skeezics because again high high tides plus the rain meant that it my there, there was no way to get in or out of my neighborhood. For a good three or four hours. And so, yeah, so you, you really have to know 24 hours in advance. Is there anything I need to dread? It's, sometimes it's more than just do I take a hat? It really is. Okay. Do I double check to make sure the sump pump is working? Do I, do I make sure that the heater that's, that's the heater strip that's on the pipes that are, that's sort of near the entranceway? Do I want to make sure that those things are absolutely working perfectly? Because otherwise it's dramatic, man. It is dramatic. The world's best terrible. Weather app, writes Russell Jacobs <laughs> in uh, Slate. Uh, he, he tells the story of Dark Sky, which I'd forgotten. I remember it was created in 2011 by Jack Turner and Adam Grossman, who did a Kickstarter, raised $40,000. 
Uh, it is, of course, we're talking about it because it's gone now. Apple bought it, and I'm sure they made more than $40,000 when <laughs> Apple uh, bought it. Uh, he writes, suddenly everyone I knew was a meteorologist pulling out their pocket-sized radar display to chime in about whether a baseball game would be postponed or a wedding ceremony moved inside. Was it perfect? God, no. The other thing that stood out about Dark Sky, it wasn't very good. Dark Sky's forecasts <laughs> failed me on hikes, bike trips, park days, beach days, birthdays, and more. He says, meteorologists hated Dark Sky. Yeah. It, it, as you said, uh, Jason, it was processing the images, said Andrew Blum, author of The Weather Machine. Uh, but but there's more to forecasting than looking at images. It wasn't using the physics models you were talking about. Uh, yeah. Any weather forecast beyond a couple of hours, he's quoting Andrew Blum here, any computer forecast beyond a couple of hours is going to depend on the weather models supercomputer models yes. that work according to the laws of physics we're getting right right now we're getting weather models about what's going to happen because we're expecting a lot of rain yeah. towards yeah, the this, end of the week and i'm amazed that they said well saturday it's going to be i mean it's amazing whether that's you know the five-day forecast the 10-day forecast dark sky i guess i didn't really use dark sky so i'm kind of recusing myself but he says uh when we talk about anything past a few hours we're talking about physics when we talk about dark sky all it was doing was taking the visual input of the input of the radar and telling us what was going to happen over the next couple of hours. But people did love that that warning. Rain is 27 set minutes away. Rain is, yeah. right? People loved that. See, this is, they, they, yeah, they, they, they love the CSI effect. They expect computers to be able to tell them things as precisely as that. When really, they, there's, there's the kind of weather where you're just curious, do I need a coat, do I not need a coat? When you realize, though, that yes, there is like a big winter storm coming, or there really is like a flood watching effect, or there's a hurricane that's coming in, that's when you stop, that's when I stop using apps, and that's when I start going to the Twitter feeds of like my local meteorologist, meteorologist because like you said, it's, it's it really is all about these models. There are multiple uh, different weather models out there, and the meteorologist who's been working like in your in your part of the state for the past ten years knows that ordinarily I would use this model, but it's really no good when you've got the, when, when you've got this situation that we're looking at. Uh, in this situation, this other model tends to be more accurate in my in my opinion. So I'm going to make my guesses based on this model, not, not and informed by others. So yeah, I mean it's it's, it's there's 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 the off the shelf stuff that, that kind of fits, but then you really want the really tailor made stuff of people who know what they're doing when you want to avoid burst pipes and you I want to see avoid floods. Why a meteorologist who went to school, who studied it, who has uh, his own makeup artist and hairstylist might <laughs> might be a little jealous. For instance, so, suffice to suffice to say, there's a library of skills that you need to <laughs> yes. present well, to be a successful meteorologist. Jack, but no, but really, it it really is no, not knowing, not just knowing what the models are saying, but knowing exactly how these models were put together. And so, where are their blind spots, and being able to navigate all this data uh, and assimilate it for this specific situation. And I have to say, though, I will say that one of the reasons that I stopped, I stopped even thinking about looking at the weather forecast was because I had an app on my phone that tells me mostly. Yeah, what I need so to know. it did take and, money and, out of uh, your meteorologist's yeah, mouth. Definitely, well, definitely took my interest out of. I mean, it was the only, it was the last Although, vestige of the news that was actually something that was local. And then I had a, something on my phone, and I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm done. But people always said, and I don't know if it's true, that. They always hated meteorologists because they were always wrong, right? What, what, yeah, right. what, what was the movie where uh, uh, he's playing? <laughs> Steve Martin. He's playing, I he's think playing it was Steve a meteorologist Martin, and, and they somebody dumps a Slurpee on him because he said it was going to rain and it didn't and, or vice versa. And 
you see that all the time, and that's maybe a trope that's not so much a truism. Was Dark Sky more accurate? No, it was less accurate, right? For the long term forecast, it was just more current. Like, so you would go, "What is it like?" For instant, yeah. What's going out? What's going on this afternoon? I didn't have to look at something the evening before to see what I'm going to do tomorrow. I just looked up, like, what is it going to? And and while it wasn't as accurate, it was very. Again, it would respond very quickly, so it might be wrong for tomorrow, but it's usually right for the next couple hours, you know. And so you see something because it's looking at that at that process. What? So, and the big like weather dot com and AccuWeather and these they use NOAA's the predictions, right? They use these big models, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so, shouldn't we just? What is Apple doing? Is Apple just doing the dark sky thing, or is it rolling in some some uh, stuff from dark, uh, the weather? Like service? dark sky, it's aggregating information from the National Weather Service and other weather providers. There are other models and other providers. It's not all coming from NOAA, or it's not all based on. Uh, the same NOAA projection. And then, of course, Apple has to cover the rest of the world, right? They have to cover everywhere. And so there are different uh, different weather sources in different countries of varying degrees of quality. Carrot weather will I used let to you get Norwegian, like four different models. The Norwegian yeah. forecasts. Yeah. I like the Norwegian. But so those those big forecasts, those are all super physics models, right? Those are supercomputer models. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's so that was it. the They're unique all... thing about dark sky was it wasn't. Yeah, that's why I don't get that the meteorologists are so mad at dark sky, which is like, it's like finding out that a friend of yours just absolutely hates a perfectly (laughs) innocuous thing. And you're like, why do you hate that so much? But I think this is because people were giving all this credit to dark sky for being brilliant. And they're like, it's not brilliant. It's just looking at the radar. But like, it's often wrong. It's often wrong. But it's it's hyper local (laughs) and super specific to things that the computer model can't do, which is, is it going to rain outside my door in 10 minutes? And the, the the computer models aren't built to do stuff like that. They they'll have probabilities over the course of many hours that were get that were made, you know, several hours ago. Whereas you've are you know, if you look at the radar and there's a blob and it's like going like a video game monster, it's like dit dit dit, and it's coming right <laughs> at you. And the the app can say, yeah, that blob is going to be here in 15 minutes. You know that if you need to walk the dog, do it now, or it's or you're going to get rained on. And like, I, I don't know why that makes the meteorologist angry. It's a different thing, and it's very clever. And it's we were all using your radar images that way anyway, people. Do you not understand that? <laughs> this is uh, the movie The Weatherman. Nicholas Cage getting hit by a, sl- a slurpee, a slurpee or a milkshake, and because his forecast is so bad. And there's Michael Caine about to berate him for his terrible forecasts. Well, judging uh, by Nicolas Cage's hair, that was a long time ago. Like I said, uh, <laughs> it really is. The stats are amazing at how much better we've people, gotten at weather forecasting hate, in the last 20 years. People hate weather. People hate weatherman. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but they don't hate him like they used to because, so yeah, better. in the fifth the fifth risk by Michael Lewis and also the signal and the noise by Nate Silver goes into into great detail. Uh, Nate, Nate Silver's book is really good at talking about just how much forecasting has changed in the last 20 years for the better. But the, but the, the conundrum of it is that people don't understand probability, which is sort of Nate Silver's <laughs> whole point in that book. And the example is, look, if I tell you that there's a 30 percent chance of rain and so you don't bring an umbrella and you get rained on, you're mad at me. But I told you there was a 30 percent chance and this was in the 30 percent. Right. And like people don't want to know. Odds, 30%? Right? Don't never, is it going to rain or not? Odds, what, right? I don't need the odds. 
So never quote me the odds, as Han Solo tells us. Yes, uh, the, never quote the me. book of Solo. Yes. So yeah, you, you, again, we just want to know what's going to happen, and the fact is, the, the computer models can't tell you exactly what's going to no. happen. Although they are way more accurate, way further out too. I like they say it's going to rain really hard on Wednesday night. You know what? Guess it's gonna. I mean, yeah. it's, they're they're not wrong. They're not going to be wrong. But it, it, well, I mean, it's also though a chaotic environment, and no matter how good your supercomputer. Uh, yeah, models more, got more complexity than the than the Earth is not possible, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, apparently, I didn't know this. The developers of Dark Sky more or less boasted when they first launched the app they weren't weather scientists. They had been working on a project called Tiny Face, which was <laughs> which was an app designed to scientifically measure how small someone could make their face. <laughs> Gee, you know, I kind of wish that it, uh, they were using highfalutin computer vision algorithms. <laughs> uh, I mean, they got there eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. How tiny can you make your face? <laughs> okay. So so I'm sure they made a lot of money. Apple is charging, yeah. uh, but not a lot if you want to use the Apple uh, weather uh kit uh if you're a 99 dollar a year developer as i am and obviously you are jason you can yeah do half you a get million, like a million api yeah, yeah, half a million, million calls at once for your 99 bucks but if you want to do an right. app it's going to cost you as much as a uh, thousand bucks brian muller the guy the guy who does care weather says that the prices are pretty are, are actually reasonable he okay. was he was holding his breath right about how how expensive was that api going to be for app developers and the answer is not apple's not trying to rip people off with it it's a it's a reasonably priced api and i mean they have competition right like that that's the beauty of it is you know if you don't want to use apple's api there are other options which is not the case with so much of what apple charges for these days it's uh, very unclear on this site uh if it's a thousand dollars a month or a thousand dollars a year I'm going to guess it's a year since it's $99 a year for half yeah, a million. So. so it must be $9.99.99. Above a certain level, it's like, call me, like ask yeah. for yeah. a quote. Yeah. Um, I might, that's kind of fun. Is it, it's a Jason, uh, um, interface. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a perfectly normal rest API and you can use it. Like I've been doing it with Python and you get back a little JSON blob. Uh, and it's pretty cool, right? Because, so I, I am one of those people who is obsessed with the weather, even though I live in California and I have a home weather station and all of that. And I got so used to all of my data being retrospective, which is like, what was, what was the high yesterday? What was the low yesterday? And then I look at the JSON blob from, um, from WeatherKit and it's um the future it's weird it's like <laughs> what will be the what will be the temperature later today nice. what about tomorrow yeah. and it's all just in there out out 10 days i think uh super easy to to use and if you're yes if you're a registered apple developer and you're using it for your own personal projects you've got more api calls you could query it every minute and you would never use the api calls alex so, aside from the ui which obviously you like the dark sky ui better are there features missing in Apple weather? I don't think that there's anything missing. In fact, there's probably more there that's that's there. It's just the interface isn't as yeah. smooth. And literally, the, the one that frustrates me the most every single time, I just don't do it often enough. Maybe if I do it, it's just adding a city. Like, it just seems like it, I, should just be able, I used to be able to just tap on it and just go, okay, I want a new city. And it's like you're scrolling through it. And I always figure it out, but I don't figure it out in a way that I remember. I just figure it, like, I just bang <laughs> on it and swear at it until until I get a new city. And then I'm like, okay, I'm and, and I'm. So, I guess we should do what all the magazines are doing. What are your top five replacements for Dark Sky? Besides Apple <laughs> Weather, which everybody's got. Is there something better than Apple Weather? The worst, 
the worst part is, is that I'm probably just going to use Apple Weather. Yeah. Like, like I'm frustrated with it. There. I'll eventually figure out how carrot, to get the city working. It's got a widget. And carrots number two. Carrot's fun. Carrot. I'm I'm all and in on. I mean, carrot. Two. Again, if you care enough to pay for a weather app, carrot's the one. You can set up the layout to be whatever you want it to be. You can choose. There, there's you know various levels of premium membership that lets you tie it into like local weather stations for actual accurate uh temperatures which is always a problem here in the bay area because of all the microclimates um and and you know it's snarky by default it does like wacky uh makes wacky statements uh like it's a like a very hal 9000 kind of character but you can also turn that off i actually have it turned (laughs) off i have it be it's just a sedate weather robot for me but it's a it's state-of-the-art i think it's the best weather app for sure on Apple platforms. And you said it's a little expensive. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it, they have various in-app purchase subscription levels. So, I mean, some people are not going to blink at paying whatever $20 a year for a, a weather app and other people are going to say, that's a, outrageous. There's a free version. Like, yeah. There's a, yeah, I think, I think it starts free and then, and then you add features okay. uh, with like, like I have my home weather station feeding into it for the current temperature and that I have to pay. Uh, at a premium level for that, but I love it because it means that like the temperature on my Apple Watch is my actual temperature and not, you know, a weather station that's eight miles away and fifteen degrees different. Which you know, you know, Leo in the Bay Area, yeah, we it's have all about where you are, yeah, yeah. So um, the chat room had some recommendations, but I'm going to ask you again because uh, there, you know, I figure if you're in an IRC chat while watching a technology podcast stream live. You're probably also into the weather. <laughs> so you, you kind of got some expertise in all this. So I'm just curious if there's one that uh, that you guys uh, really like. Um, I will say I just downloaded the weather. I I already had the I already had carrot. I realized when I went to download it. I, I was I like, paid for oh, this is really yeah. a fun. It's really fun. Yeah. So, yeah. But my could, understanding, too, you mentioned the Norwegian weather, but like my understanding is that a lot of people in there's there's like an authority in your region for weather um, like and I believe in Scandinavia and especially like in Norway, I think they like have there's a Norwegian weather app that's like if you're in Norway, that's the app to get. So it it depends. Whereas like if you're in Australia, I saw a thing today about how Apple weather is apparently incredibly bad in Australia for oh, some reason. I don't know if that's true oh. or not, but like it may vary based on where you are in the world, what your best app choice is. So with Carrot, you can choose a personality ranging from professional. Carrot will behave like a normal weather app to overkill. Carrot will go way over the effing line. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Definitely want to do that. I agree. Whatever. I don't know. Yes, yes. Uh, yes, yes. I have to restore settings, apparently. So I have used this before. Uh, here's my current location. So <laughs> it does. Okay. I can't, I can't show this on the screen because there's so much profanity. So, uh, so there you <laughs> go. Right. You turn it all the way. Yeah, up. See, that, see uh, that? That's why I turned. That's why I turned that off like yeah. really quick. It's fun for the first couple of days, but then you have no idea like how much it sort of starts to weigh on you when you're having a bad day anyway, and you're just okay. I'm just gonna get through the day, and your app is just saying, "Hey, idiot! Why you, you weren't gonna go outside anyway? Were you? You big idiot!" Like you know what? Yeah. I'm not. I don't think I want to pay ten dollars a year funny. for it to be insulted. It says it, it says right now clouds form when cat pee evaporates and condenses high up in the cooler air. <laughs> so it's not factual, but I guess you don't you don't need that. And you and I presume it's highly customizable with all of the all the features and and so forth. So basically it's chat GPT as a weather service, yeah. as a weather as a weather forecaster. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people like weather underground. I remember uh, in the early days of smartphones there was quite a brisk competition 
for weather apps. Dark Sky kind of eliminated a lot of, I think, third-party apps. Uh, Snowflake Weather, so you could select your your uh, your provider. Um, all right, so there's a few others. I guess it's really uh, it's it's a personal kind of thing. Uh, I have Snowflake. I did actually. I think I did Snowflake because of knowing uh, Dark Sky was going away. But I, you know, it all seems like kind of the same. Maybe because of where we live, there's not that. It's and, like, and there's there's different flavors of apps, but there's not di- that many flavors of weather sources, right? In the end, right. there are only a handful of weather forecast backends yeah. that exist. Yeah, and yeah. so you know, it's it's and I mean, on one level, that's the beauty of these weather apps is it's more like the interface playground. Like, pick your poison. The weather is not going to change, right? It's just <laughs> what app brings it to you in a way that you find enjoyable. Yeah, weather bug. Remember weather bug? That's still around. I paid for that way back in the day. That was a very early one. All right. Well, I, I, I think we're actually, I was a little worried we weren't going to be able to get a three or four hour show out of this. But uh, <laughs> given that we spent 26 minutes discussing weather, I feel pretty positive about the future. We're now right in line with your standard broad, local broadcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. we, we, we have taken small talk and turned it into a commodity. <laughs> How about that weather? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my we, God. We, I'm I'm glad I got those gutters clean because oh my goodness, I I do like the ice, uh, ice dams for heaven's sake. I do like the salon app that Jason uh, sent us, and I I mean the slate app. Sorry that uh, you sent us. Uh, highly recommend that if you're a fan of weather, it has a lot of good stuff in it, including some grumpy meteorologists. So angry. <laughs> <laughs> A little less coffee, guys. Come on. Yeah. I know it's raining outside, but just other, take it easy. Other meteorologists see the death of dark sky as an opportunity. Jonathan Porter, <laughs> AccuWeather's chief meteorologist, pointed to the group's own app for soon-to-be weather orphans. Mm. I shall have my revenge, Dark Sky. <laughs> we have outlasted you. Um, all right. So if you're sad about Dark Sky, so are we. We share we share your pain. Uh, the world's best terrible weather app is no, <laughs> no more. Uh, our show today brought to you by... We'll have more. Yes, there's more news in just a bit. ACI Learning, we want to welcome these guys to our shores. Our brand new studio sponsor, ACI. We've talked about IT Pro for years. In fact, I think since 2013, since they started, they are now a whole family of great stuff. IT Pro, Audit Pro, Practice Labs, Hubs, all under the umbrella of ACI Learning. ACI Learning offers fully customizable training for your team in formats for all kinds of learners, audit, cybersecurity, IT. Their partners at IT Pro, formerly IT Pro TV, uh, recently became one of the many respected companies and government agencies around the globe who continue to turn to ACI Learning year after year to help maintain a competitive edge. ACI Learning's unique video platform hosts a library of engaging, conversational, and convenient on-demand video learning. If you love IT Pro, and I know you do, you will love it all. This is a perfect match for us. We thought, boy, if they want, if they want to sponsor the studio, that's a win all around. We're really happy to have them explore everything with ACI Learning. Build your organization's protection and readiness with IT Pro. Of course, they've got the team training for CompTIA and Microsoft IT, Cisco, Linux, Apple, Security Cloud, and more. But let me tell you about some of the other branches. Audit Pro. Courses are built in alignment with the National Association of State Boards of Accountancy, or NASBA. Those gold standards in uh, audit programming 
They've got enterprise solutions, webinars, and the Skeptical Auditor podcast, which sounds like an awesome listen, I have to say. Practice labs, too. Ensure your personnel has the opportunity to test and experiment before deploying new apps or updates without compromising your live system. You get a broad range of IT topics covering fundamental, intermediate, even advanced levels for all of your employees. It includes live hardware. It's not simulations. You get rapid learning tool interoperability, LTI. You get uh, integrations. You get standardized reporting and evaluations. It's a vendor agnostic platform. Works with everything. You get localization and customization options as well. Then there are those learning hubs. You see the hubs is the fourth item in that list. Take advantage of one-on-one support from an instructor. One-on-one support directly from an instructor at one of their five hub locations as well as quizzes, virtual labs, study games, videos, practice exams, and more as you prepare. This is all now a family of tools with one goal in mind. Get get you up to speed and your company up to speed on modern technology and IT. ACI Learning will cover the cost of your first exam voucher, by the way, at Learning Hubs. So here's what you do. Go to acilearning.com. ACI Learning supports organizations across audit, IT, cybersecurity, protection, and readiness. Maintain your company's competitive edge. ACI Learning. Visit acilearning.com. We thank them from the bottom of our hearts for being a part of the family, for supporting the shows, and for uh, sponsoring this beautiful studio. acilearning.com. Thank you, ACI, and welcome to the team. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Let's see. Many, many stories now to talk about. So many. <laughs> uh, Mac rumors did some math and realized Apple hasn't, re- is not, it's the first since that Apple didn't release any new, uh, any new, uh, Macs in the, the fourth quarter of uh, last year. As you, you might've noticed those of us like me and, and Alex waiting for new Mac minis, New M2 laptops, new, new maybe even Mac Pros, nothing. So uh, Mac Rumors did a little math, and they said this is the first time that's happened since 2000. It's been 22 years since Apple has gone in the entire fourth quarter without releasing Macs. Is that, that's, now, mm. obviously, that's because the fourth quarter is a big selling quarter, right? It's a, I mean, yeah. That's when the iPhones come out and so forth. Why did Apple not release anything this past quarter? I'm sure they wanted to. I think that there's this assumption that everything has gotten slid back, you know, six months in there in terms of the Mac, um, that the M2 MacBook Air was at one point rumored to come out late last year and it ended up coming out in July. Um, So I think uh, when we look at there were lots of rumors that the Mac Mini and the Mac Pro were going to come out um, or I mean the Mac Mini and the MacBook Pro. And then that got pushed off. It sounds to me like that's really what's going on here is that everything is lagging, whether it's the chip development or the assembly or whatever. It seems like the Mac is just behind and it's probably COVID shutdown related that has just put everything behind. Yeah, Yeah. and and, and chip shortages are real still. They're not uh, imaginary, right? We haven't solved that problem. Yeah. Also, it's, it's harder to goad people into upgrading a Mac. Like they, they absolutely have to desperately need to to, to replace a Mac in order for them to, to get them by. So you rest. think this is it's the new normal easy. that we're going to see this despite? Plenty of no, chips? I, th- I, th- 
I no, I I think that this is temporary. Uh, I think that they would have loved to have filled out the rest of the uh, the, the rest of the uh, Max Apple Silicon line in the Max uh, this year. Uh, I also think that they're money, leaving money on the table by not yeah. making sure that there are, there are really compelling upgrades available for those people who you, you never you never predict. There's no real cycle for Mac upgrades. Uh, you can never predict when someone's going to say, "Gee, I, I I can't wait any longer. I really do need to do. I really do want to buy a brand new Mac right now." So I think they're they're leaving money on the table. However, if they're if they're going to have to focus. Uh, where they can, if they can, if they have to focus where their manufacturing is, if they're going to have to focus their logistics, they're going to have to focus it on their most popular and their most profitable products. And that's, that's, that ain't going to be the Mac for a while. Yeah. I mean, it's Apple's job to create the demand. If, I mean, if any good company manages <laughs> yeah. to, to create demand yeah. for a product, just because people yeah. don't want to upgrade doesn't mean that we, we can't make them. It's yeah. a little less like it's going to be the product under the tree, though. And that's Andy's, I think, yeah. very excellent point is that an iPhone or an iPad is more likely than a yeah. uh, a Mac Mini to be under the tree. So it, it, getting it out in the holiday quarter seems less vital. Um, the MacBook Air, absolutely. And they, you know, they missed last year, but it's out in the channel now since July. And it, I, I'm sure they sold a bunch for the holidays. But, yeah, it feels a little almost antiquated to say, oh, we got to get our Macs set for Christmas, right? Like, I, I don't <laughs> think that's what is driving their their holiday revenue is a brand new Mac drop in October. And and there also could be calculations like managing their quarterlies, you know, of going, you know, we're going to make whatever we wanted to make for the sure. for the fall and we want to push this to release in the spring, in, in the first quarter to, to, buff, to fill that out a little bit. Yeah. So sometimes that happens as well. Those, remember those you, days though when you, you, when you were young and <laughs> and uh, and you were looking forward to getting that Commodore sixty four or, or the Vic twenty under the tree. And <laughs> those were the days. It's not quite huh? the same as getting a Mac Mini. I was I, I was I was I wasn't, I wasn't asking for I won't ask I wasn't even asking for no three hundred ninety nine dollar computer <laughs> under the tree. I was I was hoping that I would get a pair of socks I didn't have to share with my sisters. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is uh this is an Apple two C from Bright Ideas in Guilford. Uh, here we are in Midway, Utah, where little Johnny is, is hoping to get a 2C for for Christmas. Little Johnny oh, apparently God, has spreadsheets insane. to do. <laughs> Mommy, Daddy, can I have a 13? What's my budget for, for Christmas this year? Oh, I, uh, 13, remember this? Brings me $1, dude, $1, you're getting a Dell. Remember yeah. him? Oh, my God. The, de- the dude you're getting a Dell guy as an elf. Yeah, Holy the the, um, the Apple II C under the tree is a little bit like the Lexus with the big bow yeah. on the hood. Right? It's although <laughs> that, like, there's that Jonathan Colton song about a kid wants an Atari twenty six hundred under the tree, and I, man, I feel that one. That was that was me. That was absolutely me back in nineteen seventy seven. How about this Tandy yeah. one thousand HX PC compatible only three ninety nine? We should get this for the kids, honey. Think of all they can do. And, honey, you can store over 50 recipes in its RAM. And I'll be downloading porno when you're asleep. Just three ninety nine. Very slowly. Very, yes, we ask. We ask you, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's art, wow. but it's hot ASCII wow. art. So, oh, here comes. Leo, are uh, you saying we don't have anything to talk about? Is e- that what's happening? Yeah, now? yeah. Here comes ET. Uh, <laughs> the dog's all excited. ET is going to leave a little something. Maybe the E.T. game. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, what a Christmas this is going to be. Oh. This was the uh, the, the game. Ouch. That, ouch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, get this out of well, here. It, 
Can I, can I, well, can, can we say that, you know, E.T. always had that pro-environmental bent, so he does not want to put more coal into the ecosystem. So let's have something that's a little bit safer for the environment, such as E.T. game cartridges. Yeah, let's bury those in the uh, landfill. Uh, that was funny. I, this was a, a collection of vintage holiday computer commercials. On uh, You can find anything <laughs> you want on uh, on YouTube. But I love it, the E.T. cartridge. And, and you may remember the history of that was they were rushing to get it out in time for christmas uh, because it was a movie tie-in and uh and as a result it was the world's worst video game yep. <laughs> and it ended up in a landfill near albuquerque uh as i remember and it's and it's, 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 when, when when the company decides to simply take a write-off for inventory <laughs> and that's that that's a bad visual when you the company is legally required to not only put in a landfill but bulldoze it to prove that these are now unsaleable <laughs> that's a that they can they can't even figure out how to give these things away and somehow make it look good for the company that probably no make good. the case that that killed uh the atari 2600 i mean certainly there were a lot yeah. of very unhappy families who you know, excitedly bought that and put it under the tree. And the kid said, what's that smell? Uh, <laughs> uh, Burke is saying in our, uh, in our chat as a 12 year old kid, I, even I knew the ET game sucked. <laughs> By the yeah. way, speaking of games, Fortnite is coming back to iOS, <laughs> at least according to uh, Tim Sweeney of, uh, of Epic games. In fact, uh, Sweeney tweeted next year on iOS before New Year's Eve, uh, but in fact, there's been uh, significant rumors that it won't just be Epic. That all the all the game companies are going to bring, uh, if if Apple allows alternative app stores. Which if, I was gone for a week. Did Apple ever confirm that rumor? No. Nope. No. Still speculation. But the bill, but, but the bill died. <laughs> that was the, so they <laughs> got the job so the done. Rumor, job done. Rumor was rumor was effective. Yeah. We didn't promise anything. Yeah. Uh, we might only do it in Europe, and but but we. Took the uh, edge off of the push. My so, guess is like, when Sweeney says Fortnite will come back to iOS, he is saying it'll come back in an Epic Store on iOS. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, this is all from the chat room, by the way. Now I'm down to the, the <laughs> chat room submitted stories. Next generation Qi 2 wireless charging embraces MagSafe, which is very good news. This was announced today. Qi 2 is the new unified wireless charging standard. Of course, Qi, its predecessor, is pretty much universal, except in the Apple world. Uh, although Apple uh, phones uh, will work with Qi chargers, just not as well as they do with MagSafe. Uh, yeah. So now MagSafe will be part of it. It's called the Magnetic Power Profile. Uh, devices that adopt Qi 2 in the future will use the same MagSafe magnetic technology in the iPhone, do they license it from Apple, or are they just kind of copying it? I, I think it's a standard. I think Apple is probably in the standards body, and I think contributed. It. It's it, yeah. yeah. The the story on Mac rumors says supplied by Apple, which makes sense, right? They're in the they're in the standards body, and it's this typical Apple thing where they're like, "Well, we're going to just do this, and right. then uh, you can have it if you want." Right. <laughs> right. It's like okay, right. Right. great. Hey, speaking of uh, things that are uh, not uh, coming uh, this year. Or next year, Apple, according to Ming-Chi Kuo, is canceling, or at least postponing, mass production for the iPhone SE 4. Kuo said this in a series of tweets. He's still tweeting, I guess. Uh, Ming, come on over to the Mastodon, though. Water's fine. <laughs> Kuo says he believes Apple will delay or scrap the device due to consistently lower-than-expected shipments of mid-tier and lower-end smartphones. Not just iPhones, but smartphones in general. 
And there was another story about uh, the, just to jump this uh, in in there, about the iPhone 14 Plus not selling well yeah. either. Um, so that, it's interesting, maybe some limits to the shape of the iPhone market that Apple didn't realize. Or uh, people wanted the Pro. Is that possible? They said, well, if I'm going to yeah, spend that much, I'm going to spend 100 bucks more and get a Pro. Right. Why I think not? a lot of people are buying pros. Yeah. <laughs> pro, think, has, pro is selling well, apparently. Um, in fact, Apple, and that, I, Apple says they're back in stock and they've they've started running ads again for them. So yeah, I can see they they did you notice that I I, I got a kick out of the fact that all the ads during football games were for the iPhone 14 no pro and i was like oh i i see what's going on here and then uh right after christmas the pro ads came back yep. so i guess the stock yep. is is coming back but i do wonder if like because by all accounts the 14 is doing fine i wonder if there's just a limit to like if you want the if you want the cheaper phone you just get the cheaper phone and you're not like shopping for the more expensive cheaper phone or the cheaper cheaper phone and that that level of complexity in the product line is like not relevant to the buyers who are down there. It's interesting because it's like Apple keeps trying to do an alternate cheaper phone, right? The mini and now the plus. And I, I mean, maybe the answer is that um, the, there isn't room down there for that much variation. And that really should just be, there's the one simple, the iPhone 14, everybody knows what that is. And then beyond that, like, give me the pro and that's it. I don't know. Yeah. And are you, is Apple, is, is the world changed enough that now, the the it's really really hard to sell a phone at that expensively anymore that apple's gonna have to figure out how to get a couple hundred bucks off the price from now on i it doesn't seem like the the folks that are buying it i think the, the problem is apple's really taking over that top market and then not really able to activate the small the smaller market but they <laughs> they're building around a use case where a lot of people are if you're buying if you're spending a certain amount of money you're buying a you're, a lot of people are buying iphones um, and, uh, you know, there's, I mean, I, I run into a handful of people that have high end Android, but generally I find people are looking for a better deal when they're getting an Android. Um, that's most of what I run into that have Androids. Right. Um, and so I think that if people are buying into that, they're just buying up, you know, I, I know mine is when I buy one, it's kind of stocked. <laughs> like it's like, what, well, what can, what can they add all the yeah. things to it? So. But but yeah, but I, but I meant like more like the 14, the 14 plus, like it's not, it's not so much that people are lukewarm to the phone or its features, but that. People are people as people who are not interested in paying top tier are now saying, "Gee, whoa, I'm not sure that I'm not sure this is going to be worth the the money money the amount of money for upgrade. I think I'll stick I'll stick around with my 11 or my 12 for another couple of years uh, until something excites me about this. And g- given that there's so many really good Android phones out there that really are kind of I would really put them in the same weight class as the 14 and the 14 plus. And they would be costing about $150, $200 less. I mean, one of the reasons why uh, uh, Google's Pixel phones got so many awards this year was simple, not necessarily because they were the greatest phones in the world, but because they were seen as exceptional value for everything that they were delivering. And it, it, would, it would kind of, I, I hope that Apple makes sure that whatever they're doing with the non-pro line of their phones, people can still get like a top tier iPhone of the year without necessarily feeling as though they're paying $150 that they're not getting value from. Yeah. I, I think that the, the lock-in of course is the, the thing yeah, of course, for the of Android is, is that an iPhone user very rarely goes to an Android interface. And, and so, so it's, you know, they're making decisions within the iPhone um, you know ecosystem I think that the issue also is, is that when you look at, if you bought a pro two or three years ago, I mean, you know, I, I still pretty good. <laughs> like, you know, I think, yeah, that, well, I think but, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's a step down to go to, if you buy a pro, 
you can go a solid two or three years before you buy another pro, but the ones that are the plus or the regular ones or the minis are so much less than that pro that you even bought a couple of years before mm-hmm. that, you know, without the third lens and without the, you know, without those pieces. So right. I, I think that that becomes, um, you know, I, I, cause I don't, I don't think there's that much difference between the pros, but there is a big difference. There's a big drop off from the pros to the regular yeah. ones and the plus. Yeah. But I think the, the biggest competition that Apple has for the 14 are, uh, the iPhone 11 with a cracked screen, like where people are, if a cracked screen, a, a crack, a crack, a cracked screen is a good, out of Apple care is a good, good excuse for someone saying, Oh, geez, well, if I'm going to be paying a few hundred dollars for a replacement screen anyway, I mean, this may as well be a good time for me to upgrade. But if they don't feel as though, if they feel as though the price of an iPhone 14 is way more than they would like to spend and they not, they're not necessarily seeing or feeling the advantages of the 14, that will get them to spend the $300 for a replacement screen rather than, upgrade and sort of waited out for another three years. I, I think, though, the, the, the iPhone 14 itself is actually selling pretty well. I do think, though, that you get to the really the heart of this, which is if you're in that situation, like Apple is, I guess, made this assumption that when you're shopping for an iPhone 14, you're going to behave like you do when you're shopping for an iPhone 14 Pro, which is, all right, <laughs> now do I want the bigger one that I spend more money on? And I don't think that that's what an iPhone 14 buyer is doing at all. And to Andy's point, like, I think that that's where they're looking at like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm definitely not buying the pro. Do I want to fix this screen? Do I want to hold off a year? And, and for them, they're much more price sensitive and they look at the 14 and they're like, well, yeah, I'm just going to get the 14. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend more money for this slightly larger one. And that's a totally different uh, algorithm that they're going through than what an iPhone pro buyer is going through. And I think maybe this shows that, if this if this report is true, given what happened with the mini, that Apple really doesn't understand who's buying the iPhone 14 in that price category because they keep trying to market them an alternate product to also sell, and nobody seems to be buying it, which is fascinating, right? Like Apple, Apple knows a lot about the iPhone buying market, but apparently not everything, right? Like they they have not gotten <laughs> well, and- this one right. And people, I've read some articles about this that I didn't really think about that much, but, you know, there's a status thing that, that gets very much connected to whether it has three lenses or two. <laughs> you know, like you look it's, at it, you know, it's, it's like... It's not an accident and, and that they're so visibly different, is it? You the, know? Yeah, the, the, you know, well, and, yeah. and, and that's why and you the put fins is, is that, on your Cadillac. Uh, but, but like, you know, I, I know that like when, until my, until my, my wife had the, I gave her the 13 and got the 14 and, and she... You know, but before that, she was always just handing. Just saying, I need you to take pictures of the kids. Like we get some event, like I need because she had like a, a, a you know a ten or something like that, and it was and she was just like, oh, I need you to take that photo because I want to actually keep it. And so, and I think that that's the problem. But I think that one of the challenges for Apple is, can you keep going at that pace with the pros? And so, there's still hundreds of millions of people that have older phones, and so there's that's the market that Apple's really going towards because. Once you get a pro, the changes, if I wasn't on this show, I wouldn't be upgrading right. every year. You know, like I would, I would be, I'd be yeah. skipping a year or two between phones because they're, because it's, it's kind of like the same problem that PCs have is that Excel runs as fast as it's ever going to run on a PC, um, unless you're doing really heavy tables. And so, and so the, uh, and so the PC market has a hard time getting people to update and these phones, these, and they ha- Apple has to find ways to, or not Apple, but the developers have to find ways to push the phones harder because the big reason that I got the, the new 14 was 48 megapixels, which I can, which I have a hard time getting it to do all the time. But yeah, I, th- I think that oftentimes the, we ignore, and I mean, all of us, not just the, not just the people in this conversation, but we ignore the fact that first, I think I do believe that for the majority of the people, 
a a phone is a practical and functional item that they don't get excited about the new camera. They don't get excited about, oh, well, this is going to this. This has new uh, a new uh, a 14, 16, 18, 22 chip that's going to be well set up for for AR and VR. Oh, this is more system memory. I really do think that this is at some point their old form, their own, their old phone gets worn out. And so they they have to buy a new phone. So they buy a new phone that's within the price range that they feel as though is about what they uh, what they spend for the last one. And if the new phone has gobs of new features that are really, really fun and really, really great, that's great, too. But really, all they want is a working phone. They want they want a fleet vehicle uh, for a phone. Uh, and uh, they, they're they're brand loyal enough not to want to switch to, to Android to save a couple hundred bucks. Uh, but I don't think that they're that uh, every iPhone 14 user is potentially an iPhone 14 pro uh, pro user. I agree. And it depends on what the what the what the deal is. Like my mom has an Android phone. I said, why did you get an Android phone? And she said, because it was free. Like it can't like my other phone broke. I walked in. They said with your members, with your whatever subscription, you can have any of these phones. And that was the one the one was available. And she didn't to Andy's point. She didn't really think about anything else. And so so there's definitely, by the way, got ninety nine. Well, maybe ninety percent of the value of a smartphone without paying anything. (laughs) So, I mean, to to, to go to your status argument i mean a lot of what it, but there's an awful lot of people that are for status not functionality no i i don't well Maybe i mean i think that some people are but some people are but but i think that it is when you start taking pictures with the cameras then the more expensive cameras whether it's a samsung or yeah. whether it's an iphone um those you know samsung google and apple Pixels are all are making good. incredible yeah incredible cameras and so yeah. you start spending but you're spending more money and once you get up there it's just a matter of it's the first vacation we did not take fancy you know our our expensive cameras with us we just took the the phones and it was fine. Got the best mm. pictures. Uh, yeah, I, I, I take really my, good. I take my bigger cameras out every once in a while, but yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty really shifting far between. Yeah, I see. I have a little prediction. I think uh, some of this is, of course, just manufacturing troubles. Whether it's chip shortages yeah. or concern about China, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Apple's try is also kind of understands that the market is shifting a little bit. Uh, hence, its shift toward making more money per user. It's our, increasing its ARPU over trying to get the revenue out of uh, selling more hardware. So, in fact, when you if you go to Apple.com today, what are they pushing? They're pushing uh, Fitness Plus. Now, all you need is an iPhone, <laughs> and they're giving you know they're a free trial of Fitness Plus. They're really uh, for them. This is this is where they see revenue. Uh, incremental revenue increase. Uh, of course, it's not going to make up for the margins you get in hardware, but I think they also see that this is kind of the way it's going to be moving. Well, if, if they can get you, if they can get you in for thirty dollars for for the full package, and and it winds up being something that it's three years before you even remember that you're subscribed to it. That this is this is how you're getting Apple TV Plus, or this is how you're getting your phone backups. That's a pretty serious win. Yeah, you're right. That's true, and I, they got me on that. Uh, let's take a little break. I do want to talk about a story that broke right before Christmas uh, last year. And uh, <laughs> uh, it actually is kind of an interesting story, and I'd like to get your take on it, fellas, if if I can. And this is the issue with the iPhone GPU. Maybe another reason for some trouble in paradise. But first, a word from our sponsor, and I'm really happy about this one, too. We've been. I've been using Fastmail for more than a decade. It's my choice of email. In fact, for a long time, I've been saying, if you care about email, stop using 
free email for your privacy's sake, but also for functionality, but also for support. When, you, when you're a customer, you just get better functionality, better support, and of course, better privacy. And that's why I really love FastMail. Reclaim your privacy. Boost your productivity. Free email is really, and we know it's not free. Nobody's giving you anything for nothing. For over 20 years, FastMail has been a leader in email privacy. I'd say a leader in email as well. They contribute back into open source. They have been proposing standards all this time. If if you think email is getting better because of uh, SPF and DKIM and DMARC and all of the uh, authentication protocols, thank FastMail. FastMail not only prioritizes your privacy, your personal data is kept safe and away from third parties, better spam filters, no ads, uh, just to reassure you, all the data is stored in the U.S., but it is fully GDPR compliant. They also offer, uh, this is great for uh, customers who use uh, our sponsor Bitwarden or 1Password, a way to make a masked email when you make a new password automatically. So you have multiple addresses when you sign up for various websites. One of the things I do, I'm a, I would say I'm an advanced fast mail user because I've been using it for so long. So I use many of the advanced features. It works just like, uh, you know, your base, your webmail, you know, from those other guys. In fact, they have a wonderful webmail interface. In fact, it's so good. I I use their apps also on the iPhone instead of Apple's mail. Uh, it gives you all the features you want and a whole lot more. You can customize your workflow with colors and custom swipes, night mode, and more. But I also do, and I think if you're a high-end user, it's great for anybody, easy to get into. If you're a high-end user, you'll like some of the high-end features. Uh, for instance, uh, FastMail uses the Cyrus IMAP server, which is the best out there. They've contributed back to open source with that. Uh, but Cyrus uh, and FastMail's implementation allows you to do real IMAP, unlike Google, which is real folders. But if you like Google's tagging features, they have that too. So you can do both, which is fantastic. They have fantastic built-in automatic spam protection, but I like the fact that I can access the Civ tool that they use and write my own code. You can actually code uh, your own filters if you want. You don't need to. They have an automated system that works very, very well. But I also write some special custom filters. And tie that in with the, with the IMAP folders and the tags. You've got an amazing power tool. You can organize your inbox with scheduled send. All this is very easy, by the way. I'm kind of, I shouldn't probably push the high-end features, except that's what I really love FastMail for. But you've got scheduled send, snooze, folders, labels, search bar. Keep track of all the important details in your life easily with FastMail's powerful sidebar. If you like the privacy proposition, you can move your calendar and contacts and notes over to FastMail, too. And it works just the same. It's a, it's a very powerful system. It's where I keep all my stuff. I'll give you an example, though, of how I use Civ, for instance. I have a filter that says, because my contacts are kept at FastMail, if somebody, if I'm getting an email from somebody that's not in my contacts, put that aside. But if you're in my contacts, put that in an important folder. And that important folder is really where the mail I care most about lives. And then I have much many other filters to take the other stuff. I have a filter that looks for unsubscribe in the body of a message and moves it into a uh, newsletter folder. Uh, it's really nowadays with email, the only way to manage email is to is and to improve your productivity is to use a really good tool. If you are not 
using Fastmail, you're missing out on the best features of email. And the other thing I love about Fastmail is I have most of my domains hosted by Fastmail. I mean, I wouldn't use it for a website, but what's great is I have many, many email domains and I can have an unlimited number of addresses to those domains. So it's great for, that really adds to the filtering capabilities as well. Uh, and, and for a spam elimination. Uh, you have the ability to send and receive emails, of course, from your own domain. You can manage multiple email addresses in a single space. So they all go in the same inbox. Uh, I love how it works with the password manager. What else can I tell you? The mobile app is fantastic. Highly recommend it. The support is in the U.S. They're email experts. In fact, it's kind of nice because as you get more expert with email, as you make it more powerful, having them there and to ask questions is incredible. Fastmail team believes that working for customers as people to be cared for, not products to be exploited. No advertisers. They're left out. Your privacy and you are at the center. Uh, it couldn't be better. It couldn't be faster. It couldn't be more reliable. Uh, they've got a Gmail transfer tool. If you're ready to get off Gmail, you could completely replace those Google services with Fastmail. It's incredible. Um, and don't worry about losing information. You're never locked in. It's easy to download your old data and port it into your new Fastmail inbox. And, you know, if you wanted to move away, move away. It's easy, too. You don't have to leave anything behind when you switch from any email provider. Fastmail. Fastmail. It's moving email forward with new Internet standards and open source innovations that power many email services. They really are a leader in email. Just ask anybody who's an email expert. This is the way to go. Trust me, I've been a Fastmail customer for more than a decade. Uh, finally get to really sell it to you because if, if you care about email, stop using the free services, the Outlook.com, the Yahoo, heaven forfend AOL. It's better than Gmail. Reclaim your privacy, boost productivity, and make email yours. Fastmail. And it's surprisingly affordable, all right? Try it free for 30 days. Fastmail.com slash twit. F-A-S-T-M-A-I-L dot com slash twit. And you'll get a 15% discount on the first year if you sign up today, uh, which makes it even more affordable. Uh, I just, I, I couldn't, I, I've been telling people for years about Fastmail. I can't recommend it more highly. It's just the best way to do email. If you're suffering with email, especially if you're still using a free provider, you got to do it. Fastmail dot com slash twit thank you fastmail for finally joining the twit family because you guys i've been a, i've been in your family for a long darn time so a uh, big story from the information uh which i subscribe to uh it's behind a paywall so i'm you know you could read it in other places but um this is wayne ma who has some very good sources i'd love to know what you all think of this uh, Apple planned a generational leap for the graphics processor in the iPhone 14 Pro. According to Ma, engineers were too ambitious, and his sources, engineers were too ambitious with adding new features. Early prototypes drew more power than what the company had expected based on software simulations. It hurt battery life, makes the device too hot, according to two people with direct knowledge of the incident. But unfortunately, Apple didn't realize this till late in development. So it had to base its graphics processor on the Pro 
on the design of a chip that was from last year's model. In fact, you probably noticed when they announced the iPhone 14, they did not claim any improvements in GPU performance. This is according to four people familiar with the matter. The people described as Snafu, which has not been previously reported as unprecedented in the group's history. I think some of it is really that uh, Apple, when it started Apple Silicon, first on the iPhone and later on the Macs, leapfrogged the industry. But those performance increases can't continue forever. And they wanted them to. They wanted to say 20% every year. They wanted to say 30% every year. But you can't. Well, what, what makes it what makes it remarkable though is that it's it's not just a failure of engineering. It's more what's more impressive to me is that it sounds like a failure of process. That this is it's going to take them by surprise that their simulations are so far off of reality that they wind up in a lifeboat situation like this. That if this is true, that's amazing. I can't think of any other uh, any any other Apple product, any other Apple component where we even heard rumors like that. There's also the issue of more than two dozen former Apple employees uh, uh, and a review of legal findings showing that Apple has lost dozens of key people to chip startups and more established silicon companies in the last three years, um, including uh, Gerard Williams III, an Apple executive responsible for the CPU and iPhones. He left to create Nuvia, a name you will remember because, uh, of course, they were snapped up uh, was it Qualcomm bottom in uh, mm-hmm. a couple a year or so ago, well, and that's I mean, we're looking to see what Nuvia's impact will be on the Qualcomm uh, processors. Alex, I mean once 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 Apple. By the way, it, I think I, I think they had in the, in the article a Snafu, but technically it would be Fubar. Fubar would be <laughs> would be the right one. Snafu yeah. is, is is a is a report on situation the normal, normal all effed up, up as opposed yeah, to Snafu, Fubar, which is effed. Uh, um, beyond all recognition, uh, beyond all recognition. All recognition. So, yeah. and I don't know if it would rise. Let's to get your military terminology correct. Okay. <laughs> exactly. We just want to make sure to get your yeah. nomenclature correct. Yeah. So the um. So uh. But um. Uh. As a graphics person, this is a little bit of a yawn. I mean, it's the, so it couldn't do ray tracing, and, and you'll see almost no ray tracing anywhere on a phone. And even if it did, it would probably be aliased um, at that size. You know, it's not. Like it's great, and ray tracing is exciting. There, in the articles that I've seen, they talk about it being a lighting technique, and it's not usually a lighting technique. It does some more accurate shadows than global illumination, which we're still not getting to. Um, but most of us who are doing high end graphics are more interested in the global illumination opportunities than the than the ray tracing opportunities. It's more around refractions and reflections. And as someone who rent, spent a year and a half rendering a big silver ship without ray tracing, um, you know, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that but impressed. you didn't do it in real time. You had to do it. Forty-five minutes of frame, yeah, <laughs> which could now be rendered out hand. in yeah. real time. But but right. I'm saying I didn't have ray tracing. I, right. I rendered the queen ship for you know for right. a lot of shots without any ray tracing at all because we didn't have it. Um, and uh, and so uh, I don't think that I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like I, I think it's it's a process issue, as Andy said, um, that that they weren't able to calculate it. The fact that it happened, I mean. A lot of this kind of stuff happens in Apple products and other people's products all the time. Like they make a calculation, they get on the ground, it doesn't work, and they they basically tamp down the what they're going to promise and what the, the OS is going to use from that hardware. And that that is not a that's not actually a very un, uh, a very rare thing to have happen. So um, I think that they obviously need to figure that out. But I don't. I also don't know what apps. I mean, the only the first app that we've seen that really pushes iOS. And I think this was in the list of things is the new resolve. Um, but you know, that's where we start to see 
apps starting to actually push the hardware um, hard, um, but most iPhone apps do not. <laughs> they, do, they don't. They're going as fast as they're going to go, and and the GPU is not going to make any significant difference in in how those apps run right it, now. But this could impact also uh, the desktop uh, process. You're still in Patel, chief analyst uh, at Semi Analysis, quoted by Wayne Ma in the information article. He says the gains in Apple CPU performance over the last few years have been very minor, mostly due to improvements in chip manufacturing rather than Apple's chip design. Since Williams left, Apple's CPU performance gains have slowed significantly. Apple sued Williams six months after he left, accusing him of intellectual of, of stealing intellectual property uh, and poaching key chip engineers to work at Nuvia. Uh, earlier, Apple had made similar accusations against a company called Revos that is also I mean, and, luring away and- Apple silicon engineers. And, and I will say that, that the, the, the biggest failure that Apple had was losing Williams and losing, the, you know, a, a key engineer. Like, how did you not pay attention to that and pay them what, whatever they, you know, yeah. like that was a, that's more of the issue. And, and again, when you come out with, an, with a, a processor that is as revolutionary as the M1 is, you know, to, to, to the rest of the industry, your entire staff is going to be under, under pressure to leave and they're going to be offered yeah. all the monies. Sure. You know, like, like, you know, they're going to be, sure. you know, like, hey, how about we give There's, you a million dollar signing bonus or a million dollars worth of stock or two million dollars or $10 million? Yeah. Cause yeah. everyone, Apple's now done something that no one else was able to quite figure right. out. And they're all trying to figure it out. Of course, they're going to come poaching. And know, Apple but. could have seen this coming. I mean, you know, you succeed that at that rate. It's now the clock is ticking on these guys. Two, uh, according to Wayne Ma, again, the information, people familiar with the two startups, Revos and Nuvia, say the departures have had a deeply personal impact on Johnny Saruji, given his friendship with former Apple employees. There's also, and this is maybe the soap opera, I don't know how interested you are in this, but they've created tensions with a pair of venture capitalists, uh, Lip Bhutan and Amarjit Gill, who are investors in both Nuvia and Revos. Tan is a powerful figure in the chip industry, sits on the board of Intel, closely linked to Apple as a key supplier of software tools for chip design. Gill worked briefly at Apple after it bought his former startup. Oh, the, he, he started PI, PA Semi. That's how Apple got their starting mm. chips. Uh, so Tan and Gill, two two very well-connected, smart guys, have been investing in these two companies, Nuvia and Revos. Uh, in fact, this investment in Revos is, uh, is a scoop for the uh, information. It does feel a little like they're laundering engineers here, right? Like what we're going to do is we're going to take you and we're going to put you in a startup and you're going to work on that. And then uh, that's going to allow us then for to, to for you to sell out to the competitor to your previous employer or to the highest bidder. Maybe it's your previous employer again, right? Like, what, it's not. I mean, it, it, look, the, those if they can get the money, they deserve the money for it. But it does. It is kind of a funny way to do it, right? Which is we're going to go do this chip startup that's immediately going to get bought out by our competitor. <laughs> the thing is, is that, like this resolving. This is like welcome to Silicon Valley too, because I mean, yeah. I know so I know I know one person I was talking to at a, actually at an event over the last week sold three companies to Google. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like you know. Yeah. You, 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 Sold it, was at Google for a little while, got it and handed off, went back, went back into the thing. And and Google was like, it didn't seem like Google, Google's fine with it. Like we can't, you know, but, but this is a, I mean, it is so cutthroat and it partially part of that is because of the non-competes not really applying in California. California. So we we happen to be in in an environment where the individual can just walk away at any given time and start working on exactly what they were doing. You can get a company to do a non-compete, but you can't get an individual to do it. And you know, that's, that's in the interest of the, that's protecting the employee. I mean, it's hard on the company. Absolutely. 
if Absolutely. you've got those yeah. skills, I, I liken it to, uh, and Jason will recognize this, uh, the success of the San Francisco 49ers uh, this year. We have an amazing defensive coach, D'Amico Ryans, who we would love to keep forever, right? Right, but if he gets offered a head coaching job, he should take it. He's and go. no one should stop him, and he's going to go, go. Just like the last defensive coordinator went and made the yeah. Jets almost serviceable. Yeah. And that'll happen again, and it's that's, and it's, that's just the way of the world. It, it, it is, yeah, these people have rights to... 100%. Uh, to make money on their genius and their brilliance as chip engineers when there are these huge companies that find this incredibly valuable, right? Like that, I, that's the, I, I think non-competes are about as un-American a thing as there yeah. can be. And I'm glad they're not legal in California. It's, it's, it's definitely, definitely in the interest of the company, not of the individual, you know? Yeah. yeah. And let's, and let's not, let's not forget that, uh, 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 since Silicon Valley, Apple and a lot of other companies got into trouble because they had a quote, gentleman's agreement, yeah. unquote, to make sure that they wouldn't, they would refuse to hire each other's employees to make sure that they can keep those salaries uh, nice and low and to keep all their employees very, is, very grateful. Yeah. Specifically job, so. forbidden yeah. by antitrust law, of all yeah. things. I yeah. have a relative who's an antitrust lawyer. Uh, and years ago, he told me, you know, Apple and Google are doing something they're going to get in a lot of trouble for. And he's yeah. absolutely right. It's a little handshake agreement. I yeah. wanted to bring up, you mentioned the Mac. I, I actually do think that the Mac is the thing that's potentially large, the largest impact here because when you talk about more powerful GPUs and a whole bunch of that's GPU what you cores, yeah. you know, keep in mind, this is the A16. So what we're talking about is not what's in the M1 or the M2, but what could p- potentially be in the M3. And I've been wondering for a while now, given that the M series chips are on a seems like 18 month cycle and the A series chips are on an annual cycle tied to the iPhone, I've been wondering if we might get to a step where they skip ah. one of the generations. And when I read this story about the GPU being the old GPU, I thought, I wonder if this is it. I wonder if the A16 is just not going to go in an M series. It's not going to be the basis of the M3, and they may jump right over it to the A17 this fall. Um, so that's just so, pure speculation. And, and let me give you remember. some backstories for people who are listening. What is he talking about? The, the chips, the M1 and the M2 chips are actually... Last year's A14 iPhones. and A15, they're, yeah, they're yeah. they're old iPhone chips, not exactly, but you know they've been beefed up with RAM. The cores stuff. are but right. The, the cores CPU are cores the same. and the GPU cores are the same, and then there there are more of them, and there's more stuff in there. But they are that's what they are. And is, secondarily, is they take that, yeah, in the in the move to M1 or Apple Silicon, they abandoned third party GPUs, right. uh, and so it's very important from Apple's point of view to get better GPUs into Apple Silicon. Because they've they're they're now competing That's not it. only with Intel but they're competing with Nvidia. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would and say so, I would so say when they have this GPU hiccup, I think that that I immediately thought. Uh, that's not going to cut it on the Mac, right? Like, and Although, so it makes me think the the, the concerns yeah. on the phone are heat and battery life. That's less of a power problem on a exactly. Mac. I mean, it's also possible that the M3 would be based on the A16, but use that GPU that they didn't put in the A16, right? Like, that's yeah. the other possibility here. But it will be interesting to see if Apple mixes and matches a little bit, or just leaps over um, to the A17 cores, depending yeah. on the timing of it. But like, I, the M1 doesn't have to move. The M series doesn't have to move in lockstep with the iPhone processors. I guess was my point and this might be a really good reason for it not to is that the gpu is underwhelming and if you're looking at an m3 that you're going to use as the basis for all of your macs in 2024 then the a16 <laughs> might not might not measure up and and i would say it's fairly important because yeah. you know, the, <laughs> apple was never apple before bit. m1 apple's gpu performance was horrible like you like it was you know and so so the thing is is that but you M1, could put an you know, nvidia card in there 
And, no, you couldn't. And, that was the problem. You had only had ATI. Oh, the, oh that's right. You had to do AMD. You only had the AMD. That's right. You had to do radios. You see how I age myself. ATI. You know, it was about the AMDs. Yeah. And the AMDs that worked on the Mac were not very good. And so graphics performance was not something that we expected as this. And talking to, you know, the M1 has jumped dramatically forward yeah. with graphics processing but as you've M2, said before if that's your friendly. number one concern you should get a pc if you're going to really stack it up you have to get a pc i mean you know and so the thing is is that like you know if you, for some of the operations so that the i've done we have really we have pcs with four g you know four yeah. professional level nvidia yeah. cards and yeah. that kind of thing and then we need we, we can't do that on a mac but the but but if you the biggest problem apple has right now is not that the hardware can't do what's necessary. It's that the software developers are not taking advantage of it. When I talked to Andy Carluccio, who's who's been up up in the office, up up in in Twit, the more that he they write to straight to that to the Apple protocols, the, there's just more performance to pull out of the out of those M1s and M2s all the time. And the developers just aren't using those yet because uh. it's not as convenient, it's not as portable. So there's so much processing power. I mean, we can take my little studio um, can do 16 1080p outputs, you know, from Zoom uh, at one time. And it's still just kind of humming along at about, yeah. I don't know, I think it's like 60%. Like, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so we're running, we're running already, your four our, your four videos, are, my, mine as well, I guess, on uh, what a uh, kind of a base Mac level Mini. Mac Mini. Base uh, Mac Mini. You and know? and, and so, it could do a lot more. Uh, yeah, so it's... So the thing is, is that like when I'm running Resolve, we, I'm we not used to have to. We used to have a Mac Mini for each of you. Remember uh, Skype Asaurus? Yeah, yep. We used to have a, a your own dedicated Mac Mini. Now we're running all in one Mac Mini, and, and there's a lot of headroom. We could do a lot more. And that Mac Mini could do eight yeah. of us, you know. And 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 so the thing is, is Apple's already made this giant step forward. The developers haven't caught up. Um, most of them haven't caught up to taking full advantage of it. So the real pro and where I see it, like in resolve on my studio, it's my drive speed, my Ram, those things make a big difference. The, I'm not tapping the, you know, the CPU out. I only see it tap out when I'm doing like compression and a couple other things. And so, um, and photogrammetry. Um, but, but I think that, uh, I, I, I think that Apple, you know, if, if it did, if the GPU didn't improve that much between the, ne over the next year, it probably, would impact very few people, <laughs> very, very few users. Um, but it, it, it obviously, you know, we want to see it keep going, growing at the pace that it's been growing. There's a certain yeah, amount I've of pride too. You want to, you, you don't want to say, yeah, well, we're not great on GPU, but that's the way it is. You, <laughs> yeah. Right. You right. Which we got used to. We spent a decade not being yeah. able to say, well, it's a Mac. You know, we don't really yeah. expect it to be that good. Yeah. That, but, you know, so. Williams, uh, according to Wayne Ma, Williams and Saruji had grown close. The two men and their wives socialized together outside work. To convince Williams to say, Saruji offered Williams a six-month paid sabbatical. Williams declined it. Court filings show that on Williams' last day at Apple, the company threw a going-away party with Saruji and uh, his his lieutenant Santanam praising Williams' work and presenting him with an iPad engraved with a message, thanks for making us fast. <laughs> Not surprising because the, if the, because of that job market, if he leaves... If, if they leave in 2022, they could be back in 2024. Right. Yeah. Well, days later, Williams founded Nuvia with two other former Apple colleagues. Okay, true. Right. And, and <laughs> the answer, the answer there was was ten million dollars of stock that that yeah. that um yeah they got to do know, something. And you got to understand Just, on these all you say is what are they offering you, and I'm going to match it. Except well, you cannot match it if what they what well, what the option is. I'm going to start a company. I've got two right, VCs, and Gill and Tan, who are going to who, who are investing in it. They took board seats, and then I'll be back in a couple of years, and you'll be giving me two billion dollars. 
How are you going to? And I'll be stuff? running, and I, and I'm going to run it because Johnny Shruji isn't going anywhere at yeah, Apple, and this right. time I can yep. run my own thing and call you my can't own shots. That's with the that. other part of this, well, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. the main thing though is there's always the bird in the hand versus the bird in the bush, and so if you make it sweet, a sweet enough deal for a lot of folks, they'll they'll go well. I I think I could do that, but if I'm getting you know ten or or twenty or thirty million dollars in stock options, that's a pretty big you know that's a life-changing number, you know, for a lot of folks. And if it's, if you know, if it, and that's what, that's the, you know, what they obviously often refer to as the golden handcuffs, which is that we're just going to keep on. And I know people in a lot of Silicon Valley that they work for companies that throw them a million dollars a year of stock. That's going to, that's going to do it. You know, it's going to slowly turn over um, to, to just make it harder to make that decision, <laughs> you know, harder to, harder to, to take the risk. Cause it's always a risk when you walk out. Um, and, uh, and so I think that that's what they're, they couldn't offer him enough. That, they offered him six, six months off. And that wasn't enough. They couldn't yeah, that, offer well, him Well, six months off is not, is, that's yeah, not that's much. Yeah, but, that's not much. Six months, to, six months to do nothing when you have people who are ambitious. And you and don't want to do, do not, yeah, you don't want to take yeah. six months off. You want yeah. they, 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 they want, they, they want you to say, well, we'll give you opportunities to do things that have, yeah. have been your goals for the past five years that you hitherto thought you would not be able to realize. You, here you put your arm around him, say, I'm 58. I'm retiring in three years and you're going to take my job. Maybe still, I think honestly, you know, when you, if I'm going to go out and start a company that you're going to buy for billions of dollars, two billions, probably more like 30 billion in a couple of years, I, it's pretty hard for them. Uh, the biggest problem you know, Apple but, uh, had was that people liked Williams and, and many engineers followed him. In fact, yeah. uh, according to Williams countersued, according to Williams lawyers, uh, Santhanam at Apple warned Gill, the investor, that he'd face consequences if Nuvia continued hiring Apple employees. Oh, you're in, you're in a little trouble now. Uh, and you'll rue uh, the day. Yeah, you're gonna. Ooh, we're gonna. You'll be sorry. Um, Williams filed his own suit, claiming that Apple was stifling innovation by punishing him for merely coming up with the idea for a startup ball on Apple. Yeah. Um, Williams' lawyer said Apple's lawsuit has hurt his reputation and bogged Nuvia down in litigation. He accused Apple of spying inappropriately on Nuvia employees, noting that many of the call logs and text messages between Williams and others it has cited in its complaints occurred after, oh, and on Apple employees, occurred after work hours or, or even after he had left Apple. Oh, boy. Um, so this is, this is uh, these are a couple years old, these lawsuits, but... Um, uh, this is losses. Losses are where you where you where where you dig up the ugly. Yeah, no kidding. No. The, um, the, the stuff that the stuff that every company, every person tries to hide will come right to the surface in a lawsuit. This is why it's in nobody's interest to let it go that far. A few weeks after lodging the lawsuit in 2019, Apple gathered more than 100 senior members members of the central processor team, flying in some from other parts of the country to reveal the chip they'd been working on for years was the M1. Saruji gave a speech encouraging attendees to stick with the company as it was making exciting new products. Several people in attendance quit, nevertheless, and joined Nuvia. <laughs> Please stay with us. You got to do better than that. Uh, Apple corporate security teams confiscated and analyzed the laptop of at least one employee who told his manager he was considering going to Nuvia. <laughs> What this uh, this this is good reporting by uh, Wayne Ma at the Information Inside Apple's War for Chip Talent. Um, it's very interesting read. I can see why. Um, 
Apple is at this point slowing down a little bit in its release of Macs and uh, maybe even phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we began the show with today. And now Hard maybe we understand. That- hard to keep up that pace too right like they, this is a an exciting new thing they brought a chip design in-house they did the iphone they had other worlds to conquer they ha- expanded to the ipad and they had in their mind that they were eventually going to execute this thing where the mac chips came off right like all of that was mm-hmm. like and they were and and they saw the huge accolades because it was so much better than the intel processors and they really sort of dragged the mac into into arm and made the rest of the industry go, oh, geez. Right? And keep in mind, also, on the smartphone side, they've basically been more than a year ahead of Qualcomm this entire time. Like, they really have killed it. But those people have also been killing it and working really hard for, like, more than a decade now, right? And and the, it, d- it seems like a perfectly logical time to want to maybe step off or challenge yeah. yourself in a different way. And that is going to be, I mean, I, I think we've talked about this before here, but like, I think this is one of the biggest existential crises for Apple is that they've got a whole lot of people who have conquered all the worlds. And uh, <laughs> how do you keep them there? Because even if you offer them money, it's not always just about the money. I mean, it's about the money, but it's also about the challenge and doing something new. And Apple always is trying to do something new, but they also have to maintain a whole bunch of stuff. And that is not necessarily what the stars want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Apple uh, managers began showing a two slide presentation to employees, warning them that chip startups are risky and that few end up being successful, <laughs> according to a person. And you'll never get a job. It's, it's like somebody's mom. You'll ne- a chip designer? What is that? You're never going to get a job. Get a real in job. Silicon Valley. The Nobody pres- real wants chips anymore. <laughs> the presentation mentioned uh, Gil, one of the investors by name, saying he was ultimately the one who had benefited from the hard work of the startup's employees. The slides also said it was safer for employees to stay at Apple during an economic downturn. And, oh, by the way, Apple is planning to release new products that will be game changers. The slides, this is the final paragraph. The slides raised eyebrows among former Apple Silicon engineers. Several of them said Apple's warnings were hypocritical, given that people like Santhanam had seen their careers flourish after working at a chip startup, (laughs) PA Semi, which Apple then bought for many, (laughs) many billions of dollars. Wow. Wow. Kind of a, I thought, you know, this is, came out December 23rd, and I've just been waiting for yeah. 10 days now to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Very interesting story, it's, though. It's, it's awfully hard to control people who actually make things. It's very easy to control investors, people who are just, hey, we're the angel investor for this. They're, so you get wave enough money, and they will sell, or they will join whoever's board. When someone's job is to actually design chips, when someone's job, job is to actually write the software, it's really above make sure that make, after they've achieved a certain level of wealth, unless they have priorities that 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 hit them with their with their third, fourth or fifth child. It's really hard to simply keep them there with a with a with a higher paycheck. You really have to make sure that whatever it is they enjoy making, they're going to enjoy the next phase of that career even more. Uh, I You know, and non Apple news, but relevant news. And this is another story that. Everybody was talking about while we were on our break. LastPass uh, had perhaps the worst thing that could happen to a password manager uh, happen to them. Uh, they admitted finally that the hackers who had broken in stole customer vault data. Uh, and then as far as we can tell, uh, all of the customer vaults were lost uh, to the bad guy. So 
Uh, I only say this as a word of warning. We advertised LastPass uh, heavily for uh, several years. They were a studio sponsor in 2020. Um, and so I, I guess I owe you an apology. Uh, <laughs> we still use it uh, corporately, but I guess my recommendation would be um, at this point, um, it maybe it's time to look elsewhere or at the very least, if you're going to stay with LastPass, you now need to change all your passwords um, because the hackers yeah. have had those vaults for at least a couple of months now. Uh, that means yeah, they're brute the, forcing it as hard as they can. Yeah, and then there's and there's still uh, if, unless I've missed some 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 news, they're still being really cagey about how when was the penetrate when did the yeah. penetration occur, and also they were really cagey about oh well there was there was an incident, but we don't we don't feel feel the need to raise an alarm. But when you need to give people the option of the moment that they even if they even if I think that I'm overreacting by changing my most important passwords, you have to give me that you have to, you you have to give me that opportunity to overreact. Yeah, because maybe I'm not overreacting. Yeah, um, you know, very, the, very it, it all followed on an August uh, uh, break-in, um, and then last month, uh, last pass, actually November, last pass, CEO said certain elements of customer information were gained. Now we know that the certain elements included yeah. your vaults, and also because LastPass did not encrypt metadata like the sites that you had <laughs> passwords for, all the sites you'd visited. Um, I hope. You all use a strong master password uh, and two-factor. Even then, uh, there's some risk. Steve Gibson will be covering this uh, in a a few minutes on uh, Security Now. The title of his uh, show is Leaving Last Pass. Um, We at the time, you know, when the the first information came out, Steve went over it and said, you know, you're you're probably all right uh, because, uh, you know, failing, you know, the, 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 uh, the, Password vaults well encrypted and failing the loss of those vaults, you're probably all right. Well, now we know they got the vaults. Um, uh, something to be to pay attention to, I guess, um, because brute force is very powerful these ways, these days. Yeah. Um, anything else? Let's see what else we wanted to talk about. Oh, Apple battery replacements going up. So uh, is it too late to get your new battery quickly? Get it before March 1st. I guess that's when the uh, the batteries go up. Yeah, and also uh, check for uh, Apple warranty extension programs to see if your your phone or your laptop actually has a has a extended warranty for just the battery because oftentimes uh, I've I've had this experience myself and I've heard other people have that experience where they they took their their laptop in for an unrelated issue and then they found oh also we gave you a brand new battery because you're under a warranty extension program for replacement batteries on this model and so yeah, all right that's great. Uh, yeah, uh, out of this out of warranty fee will go up by twenty dollars for all iPhone models prior to iPhone fourteen. If you have a, a home button, you're, <laughs> that's how you can tell. Uh, your price will be going from forty nine dollars to sixty nine dollars. If you have a Face ID, from sixty nine to eighty nine dollars. Um, for MacBook Air models, price increase will be thirty dollars from one hundred twenty nine dollars to one hundred fifty nine dollars. For the MacBook, it's a shame because these batteries used to be pretty easy to replace yourself. In fact, in the early days, you could just open a, a hatch. Um, <laughs> yes. Now I think they're pretty well glued in. They're not. I'd, I'd have to look. I'd fix it, but I would guess you do not yeah. want to do your MacBook Air battery unless you're very handy. <laughs> 
Well, last I, last time I Did swapped the battery, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, because okay. the battery's up by the top, and it's it, not glued and in. You can just pull it out. If it is, it's one of those things where you put the warmer on it yeah. and, and then pull it out. But I mean, they're they're pretty easy, I think, in the grand scheme of things. I don't know about the M2, but the M1 okay. and the, that whole generation of Intel at the end, it wasn't so bad iPad batteries also going up. All the batteries going up, presumably because of increased costs. Yes, I mean I don't think it's just a, a money grab. I think they're probably costing more to make. And batteries, especially, is yeah. are in yeah. demand for so many things, including so many electric cars now that That's all right. that battery stuff is just super yeah. expensive. Yeah. Remember, remember the remember the the Wall Street Power books that actually had like. Two like cartridges for, for for batteries. Those are great. You could you could so basically you could have either double extend double extend your battery life, or you could be running off a of one. You have like another one in the bag. When you're running low, you just simply put in the second one on the left, remove the other one on the right, drop that in the charger, and keep on going back uh, back to uh, back to MacWorld Expo. Uh, uh, nothing. This is the last story. Then we'll get to your picks. App, and I don't even know if this is a story. Apple adds iOS 16.2's home app upgrade to internal list of major issues. Apple says that the home architecture update, which they were planning for 16.2, is going to have to hold up. Hold up. Yeah. They're going to have to wait for a bit. Uh, yeah, you 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 used to get the option if you knew where to look. It was like sur- surreptitiously you could update to the new home architecture, which will support Matter down the road and all of that. And that option disappeared without a software update. So there was obviously a switch somewhere <laughs> where Apple was like, "Look, we're going to roll this out and we're going to hide it, and the nerds are going to install it. And if there are any problems, we're going to turn that button <laughs> Apparently off." Apparently, there and, were, and there were. <laughs> I mean, I, I admire them for not just rolling it out to everybody and saying, "Good luck, everybody." Instead, they were like. Uh, hide it and, and have the kill switch and then they flip the kill switch. So I guess it, there are issues there. So if you're waiting for the next generation of HomeKit and uh, and the Home app and then Matter support, apparently they're mm, just wait wait a little <laughs> hold, bit longer. Hold up. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> hold on here. there. Yeah. Uh, breaks. The uh, intention was to offer a faster, more reliable app. Uh, also, slight adjustments to the design, which are probably much needed. Uh, Apple claimed the update would improve the app experience, but a significant amount of users reported their HomeKit devices, scenes, and setups were broken after the update. The wides- This is all according to Mac Rumors. The widespread issues caused by the update forced Apple to pull the upgrade. Now Mac Rumors has learned Apple has added the Home app update to a database of hardware and software issues internally. This is a list used by Apple, Apple stores, and authorized service providers. Typically, it only includes widespread issues faced by customers. Uh, it's rare that you'd see this for software. You see it for hardware more. Uh, so, a big deal. Um, this is, in effect, a warning to customer service and technicians. Yeah, that doesn't work so good. Yeah, so, it still isn't working very still well. Still not working so good. <laughs> Sorry. So... It's still uh, you're still better off with one of those like reacher claws to turn switches <laughs> on and off if you want to leave bed. Just you know, for the time being, they're on it. I'm sure they're on, on it. it. Home automation, I tell you, I tells you, <laughs> Jason. I feel like you're a home automation guy. You got all the lights. I got, and- I got 
the, I got some lights. I got some stuff. I got, I got yeah, I got yeah. it. Although my favorite home automation stuff is the stuff that's invisible and that regular people don't need to know is smart. So like the Lutron Caseta stuff, which is it's got its own back end uh, wireless network that doesn't ever go down. It has switch. There are switches in the wall so that. You know, they are smart switches, but nobody needs to know you have you can buttons, you can turn them on and off because the worst ones are where there's like tape over the light switch and there's a sign that says, like, don't, don't turn don't. this off. And then and then and then somebody in your house who's not you turns to you and Mom, is like, how do I get that light on? on it's like, bottom. well, you got to take out yeah. your phone and go to the app. And like that is you've lost at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it needs to be stuff where there could be a button or a switch somewhere that actually works. And and I, I do love the smart home stuff but i mostly you know again i want it to be usable by regular people and then i use it for like automation and stuff where like it can come on at certain times and off at certain times and most of that is what i use that stuff for now like the lights outside come on at a certain time after sunset that's good turn off midnight it's that kind of stuff yeah Uh, oh one more story uh you remember when the uh the crash detection became a problem on roller coasters uh (laughs) apparently uh, a 911 dispatcher fielded 71 calls from skiers over one weekend in Colorado. <laughs> Colorado Sun reports that 71 automatic calls went to Summit County's 911 center from four separate ski areas, triggered automatically by crash detection in iPhone 14, 14 Pro, and the new watch series 8. Uh, apparently skiing now <laughs> is uh, something you should take your watch off for. Uh, <laughs> or just learn to ignore this, it. <laughs> this winter, somebody at Apple is spending a lot of time on the slopes uh, doing some yeah. data ga- data analysis and gathering so that they can train the, their model to work, right? Because, like, the model should be able to realize that you're sledding or skiing yeah. and, and yeah. not fire well, off then, but they, they didn't yeah. do that. I mean, that. here's the problem. It's the problem for the 911, too. If it's a real emergency, Apple doesn't want to ignore it, nor does 911 want to ignore it. Uh, Pitkin County 911 in uh, Colorado gets 15 to 20 automated calls a day from skiers, not one of which has been a real emergency. Yeah, that's. But they have to they have to check every one. You can't. And, And there's some irresponsibility on the user part too. I mean, Apple needs to train this better. But I will say. When that thing fires off, you are prompted, right? Like, and maybe Apple should do a better job of having it make a shrill noise or whatever. But like, you are immediately asked, "Are you okay?" And if you don't respond, then it sends the message. Which but how I many of us? Why, right? How many of us have looked down and said, "Oh, <laughs> let me turn that off." Yeah, That's yeah. Happened so there's, to me. There's, but again, I think that this is on Apple to one make that make uh, more visible, more, yeah. and two. You know the the training either the training needs to be better or it needs to lock out certain areas. But it it sounds to me I'm actually surprised that stuff like sledding is setting it off because while I know that there are bumps and stuff, I get it. Uh, you should be able to like the profile, the speed you're going, where you it's are. The there are so many inputs yeah. that should be able yeah. to detect that that I is sus- not a car I crash. I suspect there are going to be a few of these, a lot of these. Who knows? And Apple will one by one fix them. Um, according to uh, Picking County Dispatch Center Director Brett Loeb, they've spoken to Apple about the issue, and Apple says a fix is on the way in Q1 uh, 2023. So, I, I will say that I, I, I have had a situation where, I mean, in skiing, where I took a pretty hard hit and um, woke up under, 
wedged between a tree and a yeah, see, and the ground. You, then you want, and it would have been really nice to have someone come. They spent a lot of time there trying to get a hold of somebody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. This be long before the watches. So I was yeah. a much younger. But, and, but another, you know, uh, but another factor specifically for skiing and sledding is that okay, so you've got your watch, but it's under a couple of layers of of coat, and you've got gloves on, and you got that's probably so why more yeah. in skiing. Yeah, you know, yep. So yeah. so it's hard. So it would be it would be hard to know that that by the way your your phone is calling nine one one, and if you know that you that the timer is going, like how do you how quickly can you get that glove off right. to to to, yeah. to get no, it going? No, no, I, wonder, no. I wonder if there are alternative. I wonder if there are alternative ways like wrist gestures to say cancel, cancel, cancel. Right. Uh, all right. Go ahead. You just be shaking your hand. <laughs> like, oh, I, don't do that. I'm still alive. I've had it go I'm off just from slapping the desk, you know. So, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's fall detection. That's not crash detection. Uh, but they say specifically this is crash detection. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let us take a little break. And when we come back, if you would, prepare your picks of the week. Hey, everybody. It's Leo Laporte, the uh, founder and host of many of the uh, Twit podcasts. I don't normally talk to you about advertising, but I want to take a moment to do that right now. Um, our mission statement at Twit, we're dedicated to building a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. That's our audience. And you, I guess, since you're listening, by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. To do that, we also create partnerships with trusted brands and make important introductions between them and our audience. It's how we finance our podcasts, but it's also, and our audience tells us this all the time, a part of the service we offer. It's a valued bit of information for our audience members. They want to know about great brands like yours. So can we help you by introducing you to our highly qualified audience? And boy, you get a lot with advertising on the Twit Podcasts. Partnering with Twit means you're going to get, if I may say so humbly, the gold standard in podcast advertising. And we throw in a lot of valuable services. You get a full-service continuity team supporting everything from copywriting to graphic design. I don't think anybody else does this or does this as well as we do. You get ads that are embedded in our content that are unique every time. I read them. Our hosts read them. We always over-deliver on impressions. And frankly, we're here to talk about your product. So we really give our listeners a great introduction to what you offer. We've got onboarding services, ad tech with pod sites. That's free for direct clients. We give you a lot of reporting so you know who saw your advertisement. You'll even know how many responded by going to your website. We'll also give you courtesy commercials that you can share across social media and landing pages. We think these are really valuable. People like me and our other hosts talking about your product sincerely uh, and informationally. Those are incredibly valuable. You also get other free goodies, mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent out to thousands of fans. We give bonus ads uh, to people who buy a significant amount of advertising. You'll get social media promotion too. But let me tell you, we are looking for an advertising partner. It's going to be with us long term. Visit twit.tv slash advertise. Check out our partner testimonials. Tim Broom, founder of IT Pro TV. They started IT Pro TV in 2013, immediately started advertising with us and grew that company to a, a really amazing success. Hundreds of thousands of ongoing customers. They've been on our network for more than 10 years. And they say, and I'll quote Tim, 
We would not be where we are today without the Twit Network. That's just one example. Mark McCrary, who's the CEO of Authentic, uh, he was actually uh, one of the first people to buy ads on our network. He's been with us for 16 years. He said, and I'm quoting, the feedback from many advertisers over those 16 years across a range of product categories is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand, they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm proud to say that the ads we do over-deliver, they work really well because they're honest. They have integrity. Our audience trusts us, and we say, this is a great product. They believe it. They listen. Our listeners are highly intelligent. They're heavily engaged. They're tech-savvy. They're dedicated to our network, and that's partly because we only work with high-integrity partners that we have thoroughly and personally vetted. I approve every single advertiser on the network. If you're ready to elevate your brand and you've got a great product, I want you to reach out to us. Advertise at twit.tv. So I want you to break out of the advertising norm, grow your brand with host-read authentic ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details or email us advertise at twit.tv if you're ready to launch your campaign now. Uh, Meanwhile, I just want to give a little plug out to our fine club members and thank them for making this show possible. Club Twit has been a huge success. We launched it last year and I would love to double or triple the membership this year for a couple of reasons. One, it's just a great thing, you know. Uh, you get ad-free versions of all of our shows. You get uh, the Twit Plus bonus content, which includes shows like Hands on Mac with Micah Sargent that we don't put out in public. Uh, club members support those shows, so they get access to their shows. You also get access to our fantastic Discord, which is really... I've been hanging... You know, even when I was on vacation, I spent some time hanging out in the Discord in the coding channel. Uh, There are channels for all sorts of geeky activities, including all of the shows. All of that for just seven bucks a month. Now, that's a pretty good deal. But there's an even more important reason why you should join Club Twit. It helps us keep Twit not only going, but growing. Uh, That seven bucks a month makes a huge difference uh, to us. So I am very grateful to those of you who've already joined. I know a lot of you have. Uh, But if you haven't yet, please consider it. Twit.tv slash Club Twit. Uh, this is kind of a big deal, says Doug M. in, in our Discord. Uh, it, it really does make a big difference. Uh, you probably saw the, uh, maybe you didn't, but we certainly everybody in podcasting did see the article in The Verge this past week about how podcasting was about to crash because advertisers uh, were pulling back significantly. We've known that for a couple of months. Um, it really makes a big difference. Twit.tv slash Club you know, someday I dream of a day where we don't even need advertisers, where the club supports it all. That would be fantastic. Um, twit.tv slash club twit. Join us, says the club. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Time for the picks of the week. Let's start with the big bucks guy, Alex Lindsay. So I'll know how much I have left for Jason and Andy. <laughs> no Go whammies. Ahead. No whammies. Big bucks. Big bucks. <laughs> so so uh, I was able to pick up a, uh, I got a little bit of a sale on a June oven and um, and I, uh, I was able love to pick my one June. I oh love my, gosh. my June. So much fun. Yeah. It's so much fun. I think I've made a meal every day in it since I, since I opened it I up. love it so I much. It I got it from, for yeah, I got it from my mom. Um, because yeah. she's 90, she just turned 90, uh, yesterday. Happy birthday, mom. Yay. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah. And, 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 uh, and I, she, you know, it doesn't cook much anymore. So she's, honey, I just put a bagel in and it knew it was a bagel and it toasted <laughs> it perfectly. And then she, they gave an egg thing. You could put an egg in and it'll cook the, the egg. And she got one for me. She said, this is so great. So it's really, we were, it did come up. The, the discussion did come up with once you have one, you know, the, that, that it would, it, the egg sandwiches for the whole family would oh. be easier to do. If we had two juices, exactly, and then we could do the we could do the bread in one of them, and the and the eggs in another. And That's exactly the problem, together. right? Yeah, yeah, I have to do get, two get separate one, stages. I need a second June. Yeah, my my wife was like, whoa, 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 just one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we, we can have we can stack them, you know, and, and, um, and so <laughs> you cannot stack them. I I have no. to tell you, they need to cool. They need that fresh but, air all around them. Yeah, these, are so not Mac, is, these are not Mac Minis, Alex. You don't, you don't, you don't, you, you, you can't, you can't like quad, quad the processing power by just simply. Yeah. So this is, this is a chicken that I made and literally I just followed the instructions. I'm like, oh, it says go buy good? these things. It's got a little them, probe. Throw some veggies down. I put yep. the probe in, I turn the thing on and then, and, and if I wonder how it's going, I just go to my phone it's and got I, a camera. So show me the video, show yeah. me the video of the, of the, oh, it looks pretty good. And, and so um, it is, and then it, it'll pair to multiple phones. So, you know, so not everybody has to use my phone to use it. They can, you know, so my kids can have their own, whatever they want to do. Um, <laughs> the new so, ones are air fryers too. Do you use the air fryer? This, I haven't used the air fryer yet. Me, I, me I literally, gave, yeah. I just gave it to, I gave it to my, uh, to my, to my, to Carlita um, about, a, you know, at Christmas. And so, oh, okay. Um, so I've only had a couple of days, but I, it's just like, a, it, obviously it's, it replaced the, Replace the the very old toaster, the twenty year old toaster that we had. <laughs> yeah. Um. To and it's it's been a huge jump forward. And so I, again, I wouldn't say it's the best thing for toasting bread. You probably should have a separate toaster. We don't. But um, I, don't know, I, I gave I, as soon as I the, the toast came out, good enough. It's good. <laughs> it's <laughs> it was, a little good. slower but, than a toaster is, I guess. It is slower unless yeah. you're doing unless you have. It depends if on how many six slices. You no, you're so right. Four yeah, of yeah, us, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, you, you right. put them all in there and turn it all on and off you go. We made a bunch of um. Uh, grilled, grilled. That's the first thing that seems a lot of us do. I, I, I talked to a couple other people. They're like grilled cheese sandwich works out great. You know, <laughs> oh, and, how do you and, do that? Oh, you do it open. So you you have the ah, you take the little pan and then you flip and it you over, butter it, ah, and then you put it open, and then you just flip it together, and ah, um, and so and it's super easy and it works really well. And and but this um, thing but has an chicken. Android uh, device in the front. And it has the yeah. camera, so it knows. So I guess if you put it in open face, it goes, oh, you want to make uh, grilled cheese? And you go, yeah. It did. It just jumped right in. And, and then it tells you how to do, do the whole thing. Yeah. It said, how do you want it? Like, are you using whole wheat or white? How do you want it? Like, it, was, it literally asked, like, are you using whole wheat or white? I was like, okay, I'm using whole wheat. And, and I... Uh, so, um, and I, and I will admit that I have a tendency to buy appliances for my Me too. kitchen. So, I'm very bad so, that way. Well, Stacy Higginbotham told me about the June. I bought it when they first were starting out. It was $1,500. It's a lot less now. It's much more yeah. affordable. So, um, anyway, you can get one for eight ninety nine. I got a bunch. I got a bunch of accessories. <laughs> well, yeah. If you get the 1299 version, then you get all of the, uh, all the doohickeys. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so. anyway, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> Uh, I agree. Juneoven.com, one of the better Silicon Valley startups. Mr. Andy Anako, what do you got for us? Uh, mine is a really cool update on a very, very classic Mac app. Daniel Jelkut's uh, uh, Mars Edit 5 has just been released. It's the, from Red Sweater Software. It is a, uh, it, it is, it's for up, it, it's for writing blogs uh, without having to actually go through the WordPress interface or your blog interface. It is a, it is a basically a Mac word processor that is intimately connected to your blog. Uh, so much so that you, when you first fire it up and set it up with your, uh, with your, your, uh, uh, with your URL and your and your account number, 
uh, you can actually just basically grab every single one of those blog posts and put it safe on your desktop so that now the, the truth, so to speak, of uh, all the stuff that you've written for your blog is now actually on your Mac, on your Mac and not necessarily uh, on the website. Uh, and, uh, and it's always been a great app uh, because I have to, uh, my, one of my biggest difficulties I'm, I'm trying to solve as many uh, historic problems I've been having with my blog uh, at once. And one of them is that um, I get sucked into distractions when I go into like the word, the, the WordPress console, mm, because mm-hmm. there's so many other, I, I really just, I just want to fire off this, uh, uh, write three or 400 words for a blog post. But then I see that, Oh, I need some maintenance issue. Oh, this plugin needs to be updated. Yeah. And it feels like I'm not, I'm that, that writing is incidental. Whereas when you're using Mars edit, you can access all the features you can whenever you're formatting or organizing a blog post, but it feels like you're just using a word processor that's designed for the blog post. And then of course, then you click publish and it publishes just, normally uh and so this is a yet another update to a really really great old app but a really significant one uh, and a new feature that really speaks to me they've added uh daniel jelko has uh, added a a micro blogging feature to it so that if uh, I, I one of the things i've noticed is that about my own uh, uh my own online publishing and writing is that I spend a lot of time writing Instagram posts and a lot of time writing uh, Twitter posts. And oftentimes it's not just, you know, quick, oh gosh, it's raining today. Oh, boy, does it suck to be raining. There are times where like I will have a fully formed thought that has to go out in like three different tweets to really express it fully. Or I'll take a picture. Uh, uh, I'll be out like, uh, I'll be out and I'll get a picture that I know that, oh wow, not only will this be a really good picture, but there'll be a, re- I could write a really good little story about this picture and it'll, it'll, it'll be it'll be very I'm, I'm creatively engaged in doing it and so i'm wasting a lot of my creative time writing stuff for twitter and instagram whereas my when my my blog lies fallow so he added this macro blogging feature so that anytime anywhere you can you, uh, wherever you are on your mac you can issue a hotkey uh, a quick little mars edit window will pop up that's not the full feature editor it's just there for essentially the window that you uh, put a the, the window that, that you you'd format a, a a twitter post or an instagram post in and whatever it is that you were about to waste on, on Elon Musk's uh, latest folly, you will now actually be putting on your blog. And I were updating it like three or four times we a day. almost made it through times. an entire two-hour show without saying the words Elon Musk. So close. So we close. To, again, we need to... We, <laughs> Andy, we, you owe us $5. We, you did it. <laughs> put no, it in the no, swear no, jar. No. <laughs> I, I, will, I, will put, I will put the $5 in so long as we, so long as we continue to blaspheme that, that name. I think that we're doing God's work. Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, I love Daniel. Uh, he is uh, awesome. I love it that he's just, some indep- just an independent developer. Uh, writing great software. I think he used to work for Apple, didn't he? But uh, yep. he's just doing his own thing. He's got writing a couple of great apps. quality, very, very Mac, yep. like yep. flying the flag Mac type apps. We Amazing. recommended uh, before his Black Ink, which I love as the ultimate crossword yeah. puzzle uh, app. I think you recommended that. Uh, and I use his fast scripts, which is a great way to put uh, uh, OSA scripts in your menu bar. But Mars Edit is the easiest way to blog. If you have a blog that supports... Uh, Meta Web Blogger, Adam Pub, WordPress, Micro.blog, Tumblr, TypePad, Movable Type. Um, boy, this is, I always love posting with this. It's so much easier. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Great recommendation. Mars Edit is from RedSweater.com. RedSweater.com. Uh, Mr. Jason Snell, what do you got for us? Uh, seconding Mars Edit, by the way. Uh, <laughs> all my blog posts to six colors from my Mac get uh, really. You do done the, in six Mars colors Ed? in Mars Edit. Wow. wow. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I will write often in BB Edit, and then I have a script that actually moves it to Mars Edit so that I can use that to post into the, nice. the blogging interface that uh, WordPress uses. Yes. Um, my, uh, it's an app that I, I heard a lot of people talking about, and I never got into it, and I finally, a couple months ago, got into it in a big way. It's called Channels. It's available at getchannels.com. It is a server app you run somewhere in your house. And then it's got client apps for Mac and iPhone and iPad and Apple TV and a bunch of other. Uh, there's an Android app, I think. And, and like, here's the thing. So it's a, it's a DVR server that you run at home, which means if you're somebody who's a cord cutter and you're doing over the air on an antenna, you can buy a box that connects to your device and boom, now you've got a DVR. Your server is a DVR accessible from anywhere on the internet, not just in your house. If you are using cable, you can get a box that you pop a cable card in and attach it to your computer and boom, you have a DVR uh, and it's available everywhere inside and outside your house. But I don't have those things. I am a cord cutter uh, and I use uh, what's called a VMPVD, which is like a virtual cable service like YouTube TV or in my case, Fubo TV. And guess what? I didn't realize this was the thing. There's this thing called... Uh, I, I think it's called Watch Everywhere. It's something like that. It, it is a web standard for authentication where you authenticate with your login. And instead of going back to your provider, it actually goes to the source. So like I log in, I, I set this up on the channel server saying, I'm a, here's my Fubo credentials. And it said, okay, well, I can get you all your locals and I can get you all of these cable channels. It's not every cable channel I get on Fubo, but it's a subset of them. And all of them can now be viewed and recorded uh, locally whenever I want to. And I use this because although my although Fubo and these other services have cloud DVRs, the latency on the cloud DVR is terrible. Like you go fast forward and it's like, wait, wait, wait. Now it's fast forwarding. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, the latency on a hard drive in your house, way better than that. <laughs> plus, plus, if you want to save that forever, you've got an MPEG file on the hard drive on your server. You can put it in Plex. Some other things, though, that are great about it. It integrates with Plex. If you've got a library of shows or movies or whatever on Plex, oh. you can create virtual channels. Virtual channels, it's like, you know, if you miss flipping around, like I made a Star Trek channel. It literally, it's all the Star Trek shows that I have on my Plex, and it's random. I have a MASH channel that just plays <laughs> episodes of MASH. And you can set, like, do you want it to be random? Do you want it to be sequential? Do you want to do, like, a mini marathon where it, it groups, like, five sequential ones together and then goes to another random block? You can choose multiple shows, multiple movies. I have a Miyazaki channel. You just flip it on. What's on the Miyazaki channel right now? And it'll be one of the <laughs> Miyazaki movies that's that I've hysterical. got. It's amazing. And then, so so that's good. The DVR is great because I'm recording, like, Jeopardy. And it's so much better to have that on a local DVR than on the cloud DVR. And then my last item is... A lot of these services, when you leave your region, you lose access yes. to what you have because you're I not. Found so that I'm visiting out. my mom. I'm visiting my mom <laughs> in Phoenix, and the 49ers are playing right, yeah. and I want to see the game, and it's not Could on. Not in Phoenix. watch it. I was so upset. It's not on in Phoenix, but you know where it is on is in my house where my channel server oh. is. And so I was able to not watch it on Fubo, but I could load the channels app so on my iPad. Or, so yeah. you can't watch it on Fubo because Fubo, in fact, we're in Mexico. So says, everybody, I tried ex ExpressVPN. Everybody says, no, then we know. Don't, don't, don't give us that. You're not yeah, in the country. Right? <laughs> so, so I couldn't watch Fubo. I'm, I'm YouTube TV, but same thing. So yeah, same you thing. can watch 
So what do you do? You tell channels to record it and then watch it a second later, or you don't? Channels has channels has a watch now feature, so you don't <sighs> even have to tell it to record it. And the difference is, it's it's not uh, from Fubo TV's perspective and from you know from CBS's perspective or or Fox's perspective. I'm not in Phoenix, right? Because my server is at is my house home? in the Bay Area. Oh and it man, totally, I wish I'd known this ahead of time. Holy totally cow. worked. Uh, and and I actually had this situation the other day where um, the Fubo service uh, got really slow. It, it, I, they had a, an outage, basically. But this TV Everywhere feature doesn't come from your over-the-top provider. It comes from the source. So I, I switched when Fubo was sluggish and I wanted to watch the football game. I switched to channels and uh, and then brought up the Fox channel. And it's not going to Fubo. It's going to Fox. And it's the same stream as like the Fox app would use, basically. So it's not it's not a way around. You still need to subscribe to TV. Yeah. But it, it so this all of these features put together is why I went. It, it's like a month of you trial, and then I was like eighty dollars a year done, like done because having those Jeopardy files uh, that I can access fast and being able to go from anywhere back to my home market and get on tv Huge. and then those channels the channels again just being able to say i i'm just feeling in the mood for mash or star trek or news radio or whatever and just press or miyazaki let's press see one what's button. on the miyazaki channel That's and hysterical. it's not and it's a virtual channel right it doesn't really exist but if you if you press play it will actually land you in the middle although you can back oh, up it doesn't you, it doesn't even start at the beginning it's like it's a channel it's a it's a setting. You can have it. You can have it start at the beginning, or you can have it drop bring in if back, it's like twenty three after the hour. Appointment TV, and then and when that episode home. is done, guess what? It just shows that you're the next episode, and you just keep going, and it's all based on your on I'm your Plex library. So there's there's so many good features in it, and if you are somebody who's got cable, you can buy the HD Home Run with a cable card and use it as as I your cable that. source. Yeah. Uh and and if you got over if you're an over the air person with an antenna, you buy the HD Home Run OTA and hook that up and all that stuff is being consumed into this DVR that uses I'm using a Mac Mini for this. So, it's great. It's, it also I, I works, it. I'm happy to it. say, on a Raspberry Pi. It does. Uh and Synology QNAP my cloud, Netgear, yeah. Seagate, free Some NAS. Some of the features don't work on a NAS. I think maybe the TV Everywhere feature might not work on a NAS. But if you've got, yeah, a Raspberry Pi will do it. An old PC or Mac will do it. And it's, again, I know it's a little bit niche but, like, if you your ears perked up at any of this, it's like, I it, it, we've come a long way. The interface is really good. It's got a live TV grid. It's got a recording interface. It's very responsive. It is as, dare I say it, it's kind of like a TiVo replacement too. Mm, yeah, uh, and I love yeah. TiVo. It and, has and a I, and I commercial skip. It, up. it says it has commercial it does. skip. Does it work? It, it works okay. It works okay. It, the beauty of it is you can set it. What I have for Jeopardy is it 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 offers it if it thinks it's a commercial break because it's not a hundred percent good at it. So it, it, it offer it. Can in the I middle skip of Jeopardy the part? Like, they, where they go and interview the contestants, that's what I really want to see. Well, you just go tap, tap, tap. <laughs> and if you do it on YouTube TV and you go tap, 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 it goes, wait a second, wait oh, a second, yeah, wait yeah, a second, yeah, and yeah, here it's it is. Terrible. Yeah. But if it's on your local hard drive in your house and you go tap, 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 it just goes tap, 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 and you've moved on. It's beautiful. Nice. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's a great little app, and it is $80 a year. But, you know, if anything I've described to you has hit home, uh, you know what to do. Get channels.com. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it 
And I hope we, we don't lose a whole generation of people who are unaware that there was a time where if there was something on TV we wanted to be able to watch later, even even added to a permanent library, we could do that. We could put a VHS cassette into a machine that was <laughs> right. And suddenly we had every episode we, of Mystery Science Theater 3000. And now it's anathema. It's like, it's like most, but wait a minute. How, how, you, you have that on your phone? How do you, for, it's not for sale forever. Yeah, I, I well, Our it. friend, uh, I don't know if she uses channels or not, but our friend uh, Shelly Brisbane, who we uh, yeah, worked yes. with back at Mac User, yeah. she does a, an old movie podcast on The Incomparable now, and she's got a huge library of old movies that are not widely available. And the answer is she records them off TCM. And then she can keep them, right? Because she's recording them somewhere where it's a file on a hard drive, and then yep. she can keep them and put them in her library. Imagine that, like sticking a tape in the VCR. What an idea. And they are, literally, Channels isn't doing anything on that server. There's just a folder full of shows, and they're all just MPEG files. There's nothing special about it at all, which is great. I like it. It's good. Man, someday I'm going to have to just go through the whole thing. And fix it all, and because uh, I'm still not okay. a cord cutter, but this is—I have all the pieces in place. But I know it's like four days of hell. But then everything yeah. will be wonderful, yeah. and I can go to Mexico and watch TV. So it's 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 worth it. I mean, it, it was I, so I, frustrating not being able to watch the Niners game this Sunday. It was so hard. Yeah, and I—it's yeah, well, a little like Slingbox. If you can get it, it to a channel that you want, yeah, uh, <laughs> using channels. Since it's coming from your house it's coming to you, from it's very much it's house. very much like a sling box. You're yeah. you're not it it you know That's all what of Lisa the rights holders. She said, "Whatever happened to the sling box?" I said, "We haven't had a sling box in years." They shut it. They shut <laughs> they that shut service that down, down like years ago. three weeks Recently, ago. Just, yeah. just, oh, did they three about weeks a month ago? ago? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it finally, finally, just finally went to end of life. But anyway, this will do something like that because it's not it's your streaming service at that point, right? Yeah. And it's in your house, so your house is just. It, which is yeah, if you're traveling internationally, you can set things to record and then play them back later, or and you don't, cache have, you them don't later. even know how to get to your house. You just you just it just opens up. It's UPnP, yeah, it just does it. I didn't, yeah. I, I you know, I I just I held my breath and checked the box, and it totally opened the right port, and it works great. Mister Jason Snell, you see him at sixcolors.com. He's got the podcasts there, sixcolors.com slash podcasts. Sixcolors.com slash Jason now, Leo, is the page I made just for you <laughs> with all of my things in one place. Well, but everybody's so going to love it, it. So it's not just for me. It's for everyone. Yes. Everything you I, ever want to know about I, what Jason does, there are I'm a available. Lot of them. I'm available on places and podcasts and columns and you name it. I'm I'm there. Uh, I you know I remember when you launched this and I am so glad that it has been a success for you. This has really worked out. I'm so happy for you. It's eight eight years now, wow. and I, I you know I I'm still defying gravity, so that's good. Good, good <laughs> so job. Haven't hit the ground yet. Good Don't job. look down. Good Don't job. Look down. And uh, it, I'm so glad we got you on the show as a regular. It's wonderful to have you. Thank yeah, you, Jason. Yeah. Andy, when are you going to be on WGBH in Boston next? Well, I'm a day early this week. I'm on uh, Thursday at 1230 <laughs> afternoon. Uh, I'll be streaming in, so you won't be able to see me at the Boston Public Library Studios of GBH. But you can go to WGBHnews.com and stream it live or stream it later. Or, yeah, yes. or go see I, him in the uh, Westerly, Rhode Island uh, Public Library every uh, Tuesday during Mac <laughs> Break Weekly, right? Basically, basically drive around if you hear lots of noise. <laughs> A thread and threaded through there is really like bass baritone cursing a Russian. <laughs> Probably I'll be in the library soon. Yes. 
<laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Always a pleasure. Mr. Thank Alex you. Lindsay, he is the uh, maven at officehours.global, a continual stream of information about all kinds of media. Uh, today's show was focused on bra- bar- brainstorming graphics. We're basically uh, basically taking the the week to decide what we're going to do for the next quarter. Because oh. we do something every day. And so we're, we're like, so what we do is... Oh, so you're brainstorming quarter, stop. subject matter. So we're, we're talking like, what do we want to talk about? And what are the things that are important oh, to us? And how great. do we want to do this? And so it makes it a lot easier for us to figure out what to do next. And so the everyone, I mean, this is the, it's an odd show that everyone is involved. Like, you know, the producers that are, that are listening are involved. And I mean, all the listeners, the panel, the the back end team, they're all, everybody's trying to figure out what we want to do next. So, so it's. Uh, so, so unlike we a, uh, this week in Google, it is a democracy. <laughs> it's something like a democracy. It's, okay. it's a it's a collaboration. I I don't we don't really do any voting. Oh, we vote for the questions. So there you go. So there, there that's go. it. And, and and by the way, I, I did ask. I did look for a render of how ET felt when they released the, uh, you know that. Oh uh, yeah. That horrible game. There, Let's there see what Midjourney says. Airport. Oh, he was unhappy. Uh, ET was really? very unhappy. I got all dressed up, and he was just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, that's really not, good. Not impressed wow. at all. That's Midjourney. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, that's Midjourney. Wow. Yeah, that's really. Good. It's gotten yeah, so fun, good. Fun to look up, yeah. <laughs> Alex gets bored during the show, so he generates graphics. Well, no, no, it's easy because it sits there. I have I have Discord open all the time, and so I just yeah. all you do is go to Midjourney yeah. and go, you know, et et as Santa, you know, make it three by two, and that's it. Like it's like during a commercial break, you just type something in, and you get, and then you start hitting, just go, give me more of this and less of this, and before nice. you know it, you're you're done. It's, you, we, we're, we're we're selling on the new name for this because MIT is calling it a prompt engineering or prompt engineer, yes, right? Um, I believe it should be a diffusionist. No, oh, <laughs> I like that. A diffusionist. So a, it is a definitely a coding. It's kind of like coding. Uh, yeah, you actually did a whole show last week uh, on it, on MidJourney and how yeah. to use it. Uh, part of the we're gonna talk hours a, uh, global. We're talking a lot about AI because it really affects a lot of us. And, and we're just pushing the envelope of what that actually means. We actually put MidJourney. You can put MidJourney as a bot into your, into your server, our Discord server. So we put that in. So now people are in the group, you know, generating you know, pushing um, things so we can experiment with what that nomenclature is because it is important. And, and we're also experimenting with things like code. Uh, I, I guess I just asked chat, chat GPT to write me an entire Swift app. <laughs> just wow. Went, Here, why don't you do this? Yeah, wow. And I was just like, and, and I was like, I wouldn't do this line and this line, but the rest of it looks pretty good. So um, we'll see. <laughs> I might release it on the app store. I won't have any copyright for it. But. You have so much content here. Here's a thing on voiceover performers and technicians that I have to watch. I don't have enough oh, time yeah. in the day to watch all the stuff you make. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's really incredible. good. And, and yeah. we're, you know, the, it's an incredible team too, that puts it in the back. You know, there's a team that comes together every day. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, the show takes about it's with, with including the panelists is about 20, 25 people. Yeah. And uh, everyone volunteers their time to put it together. And it's quite a good quite job. A you can play along at officehours.global. And if you need an expert in streaming, Alex is available at 090.media. He is the king of this stuff. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Andy. Thank, Thank you. you, Jason. Thanks to all of you for joining us. Thanks to uh, ACI Learning, our new studio sponsor, making this show possible. Of course, our Club Twit members as well. We really uh, appreciate your contributions. I thought the club started last year. It did not. Out of sync tells me it's been almost two years. It'll be two years in April. Wow, how time flies. Wow, it's been wrong for a long time. I, I know. I can't believe it. Uh, thanks to one and all. We appreciate your participation. Stay tuned. If you're watching live, Security Now is coming up next. 
Uh, we do Mac Break Weekly every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. We're now back on schedule with a new year. That's 1800, I'm sorry, 1900 UTC. You can watch us live at live.twit.tv. Chat with us live at irc.twit.tv or in the Club Twit Discord. After the fact, on-demand versions of the show are available at the website, twit.tv slash mbw. You can also go to YouTube. There's a dedicated channel. Actually, the best place to go is youtube.com slash twit. That's where you'll get the little twit bits, the promotional stuff, all the tech breaks, all of that. And you'll see links to all all the individual pages for each show. So I should just say go to youtube.com slash twit. Uh, probably the best way to get this show, if you're a devotee, is to subscribe in your favorite podcast application. That way you'll get it automatically uh, as soon as we publish it, as soon as we edit it all down, take off all, out all the swear words, all the Elon Musks, and uh, we'll put it out <laughs> probably later today. Uh, so go and subscribe if you would. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Now get back to work because break time is over. Happy New Year. Once again, time for the Twit Audience Survey. The annual survey helps us understand you so we can make your listening experience even better. It only takes a couple of minutes, but it sure helps us out a lot. Completely optional, but if you could, please go to twit.tv slash survey 23. That's twit.tv slash survey 23. You have till the end of the month, but if you would do me a favor and do it today, I could stop mentioning it. Twit.tv slash survey 23. Thanks in advance.